Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with Oakley and she touched. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let that person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like yarding. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 a lively one out there this morning breezy to say the least although it seems to have calmed down a little bit in the last hour or so my first job this morning was when I let the doggies out for their morning business which they didn't want to go out in the wind and rain I then had to go and retrieve my garden furniture from the four corners of the flipping garden so it was a lively one early this morning it seems to have calmed down just a little bit but definitely we have trees down and some bad road conditions Ken Perrett's with the street feet out there Ken morning Morning, PJ. Can, we, can I quickly start with an accident that's happened only in the last, I'd say, five minutes? Just by Jury's in, one truck and car coming into two lanes from, we'll say, the side of Jury's in, the bus station side, as it rounded the corner of the Custom House Key. There was a little side swipe there, so that's blocking up the whole key. So keep that in mind if it's part of your, of your, of your route this morning. It's a good timing where that's concerned. Yeah, a couple of trees down. Um, there was one at the finger post roundabout that blocked up stuff at Maryborough Hill. There was one on the N25 between Carrick and Middleton. Just by the Waybridge, that's been cleared in the last 20 minutes or so. That's a bit better. A couple then in West Cork, one between Bantry and Copine, another one at Bandon, just at the bridge in Bandon, which caused a few problems this morning. And a couple of other slight ones down that didn't cause for so much of a road closure, but just an obstacle so everyone forced to slow down. But the amount of people that I see on the roads on mornings like this with no lights on, when it brightens up, it's fine, but it gets quite dull, especially in your mm. rearview mirror. Mm. Please, always in conditions like this. And what it is, is people have automatic lights. The newer cars now have automatic lights. You never have to turn them on. I want my own car. And you just don't have to turn them on. But in weather conditions like this, the sensors will say it's bright enough, no need for lights on, but the rearview mirror will tell you the opposite. So please, always, on mornings like this, we can't encourage it enough. And the number of texts we get in every morning saying, please ask motorists to light up. That's the one the one big takeaway from weather like this. Okay. Just recap on that ambulance or that an- accident again, accident. rather, Ken. Yeah. Just by jury's in is the easy answer for it. Just coming from, we'll say, Penrose Key towards the back of the Elysian. It's traffic that was rounding the corner on Custom House Key. A truck and a car involved. They've been there for a little while, I'd say. All right, good. Ad. Thank you very much. That's uh, Ken Perrett from the Street Fleet out and about this morning on a rough morning for driving. You've got his list of trees down. If there's anything we've missed from across the city or county, 0818969696 Bottom Maryborough Hill. I must have just missed that by minutes as I was coming in this morning because I do come down that way but definitely this morning at what time was stupid o'clock like 25 past half past six I was going around the garden in the wind and the rain the garden is like the the swamps of the Everglades this morning and the garden furniture there was a chair there and the table had blown off the deck and ah horrible and me poor dogs anyway 0818969696. We focused yesterday for a bit of the show on that wonderful uh, Lewis Capaldi documentary, which I think was trending, if it's not still trending, at number one on Irish Netflix at the moment. 
And, and, and like I said, it's an hour and a half of your life that is well worth spending in front of a television, particularly if you enjoy uh, Lewis Capaldi and his music. But part of it is his revelation that he's got Tourette's syndrome. I think he got that uh, diagnosis sometime late last year. And, and that's the explanation for this twitching that he has, that when he gets nervous or anxious, or as the, the documentary explains how difficult his mental health can be for him, the twitching gets almost out of control. It's called How I'm Feeling Now. You'll find it on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Tracy, your son is 22 now. And how yeah, is how is his Tourette's? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, his is quite good at the moment. I actually spoke with him last night before coming on. Um, just uh, okay, you know, telling his story or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, at the moment, his is very good. Um, he went through a very hard time um, around you know, kind of his teenage years between growth spurts and hormonal changes, mm-hmm. all that affects it. Um, but yeah, he's he's quite happy at the moment in where he is in life and stuff, and that all makes the difference as well. Yeah. Um, so at what yeah, stage? He's, he's, at he's what stage good. did you notice it, or did it become noticeable? Um, so he was around seven when we started noticing um, ticks, and for him, it was it started off with the eye blinking and um, shoulder shrugging and head nodding and things like that Um, and things which we didn't realise were tics until we kind of knew more about it Um, so like he he would sniff a lot um, and I thought oh that's just a habit he picked up but that's actually considered um, a vocal tic in Tourette's so he yeah that's when we started noticing his there's one Sort of, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotype, that's the word. There's one stereotype yeah. of Tourette's and there's a guy on Facebook whose name I'll mention in a minute, but there's one stereotype of Tourette's is that the young person or the whatever person or whatever it cannot stop swearing. Mm. So that's, um, it's the, the most publicised side of Tourette's, but it's actually one of the rarest forms. So there's... Um, there's different types of tics people can get. And um, so you have motor tics where it's, you know, your body moving in certain ways and you have vocal tics um, or phonic tics, as some people call them, and that's noises or sounds you make. Um, and like that can be words. So like, for example, my son had what's known as echolalia, where you repeat what people say mm-hmm, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, or the end of a sentence. Very, very common, um, very common on the spectrum, actually, that is, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, and whereas the swearing one is called coprolalia, so that's, you know, um, saying, you know, expletives or whatever, and that's only about 10% of oh, the population of people that have Tourette's have that. I see. So it's, it's, it's quite rare. A lot of his stuff was physical, so he almost looked as if he was having a seizure, I think. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, my son's kind of developed from that age, and it was he was about he was gone eight when we got his diagnosis. Um, so to get a, a diagnosis of Tourette's, you must have um, both motor and vocal tics um, present for 
over 12 months and um, because with Tourette's they can wax and wane so you might go through periods of no ticks at all um, so you mustn't have a break of more than three months in that 12 months bef- to get your diagnosis um, so when things like um, like we saw on, on the um, documentary when Lewis Capaldi got very very um, anxious and his mental health wasn't great his mm. tics kind of took over yeah. so my son experienced something like that through puberty so he, he's quite a tall lad he's 6 foot 8 at the moment so Yay. he went through quite a, a few yeah so he went through a few growth spurts and each time he would his his tics would exacerbate you know he would get really really bad ones and um, he at one stage he had what looked like a seizure so um, we obviously rang emergency services and he was brought in and um, they weren't really sure. So with the typical seizure, people aren't aware of what's happening and things like that. Whereas with what my son was having, um, he was able to talk to us and everything. So... It must be very distressing um, the, to watch that, Tracy, is it? Oh, it is. Very, very much so. I mean, when, when you don't know what's happening and he's he used to hurt himself during it, you know, that the tics would be quite violent where he'd be hitting himself and um, it's it's distressing to watch. You know, he'd be asking me to hold his hand so he wouldn't be able to hit himself. Oh but um, it was only through um, Tourette support group that I... You know, I kind of threw it in there. I said, look, this is after happening us. Has anyone experienced it? And um, we found out it's called a tick fit. So we did, I did some research on it. Okay. And um, it, it, this happens to people with Tourette's, not everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, and with his, they, we were basically told in the hospital, look, until we can rule out seizures with an MRI, which of course in Ireland took months to get, um, you know, you have to ring us an, an ambulance every time it happened. So even though we knew it wasn't a seizure, we knew it was perfectly fine. You still had to That's ring an ambulance every time. Anything but fine. Um, which was okay, you yeah. know, but then we had an experience in any one night where we had been in there. It was about two o'clock in the morning before we got seen. And this doctor came in and my son's ticket, kind of regular tick at the time, was like nodding his head as in a salute. Do you know that you see sure, some Irish sure. people do? So he would do. He did this, and the doctor did it back to him. And he obviously kept doing it because it was a tick. And the doctor said to me, "Why is he doing that?" And I said, "Oh, it's just one of his regular ticks at the moment. You know, he has Tourette syndrome." And the doctor looked at me blankly, and he said, "What's Tourette syndrome?" Oh dear. Yeah. So that's that's what you're facing in Ireland. There's yeah. just yeah. no knowledge on it. Interesting that you should mention that, that it's called a tick fit. There's a very upsetting moment in that documentary where Lewis is on stage at Wembley mm-hmm. and his yeah. ticks have become so constant that his voice goes. It's yeah. really distressing to watch and he gets about 10 seconds into a song, the voice isn't there, mm-hmm. he asks for a break. And he had yeah. to, he had to quit because the ticks had completely taken him over. That's very distressing. It is, it is, and I mean, bad and all as those were, they weren't the worst of my son's ones. Oh, really? um, like we we had an incident where his his legs would just drop from under him as a tick. Oh dear! And you're walking down the street, and his legs would just go, and he'd fall to the ground, and he'd no control over it. Oh, and dear. another one where the ticks would ca- cause him to hold his breath 
and he had no control over oh, taking dear. another the next breath and it would get to the stage where he would be really panicking and his body oh, would just naturally dear. take over and force him to make a breath. Yeah, because our, our brain has that circuit within it that it will not allow you to hold yeah. your breath for longer than you're able. That's it. But that can be quite frightening so, yeah, when you was, wait for it to come. That's it, yeah. It's, it's, wow. They're quite distressing. Now, luckily, you know, kind of times like that are those ticks are they don't last very long because they are the the most worst well for for my son anyway they didn't um like everybody with Tourette's is different and yes. how it presents is different yes and you have people with mild tick disorders who you know you might notice they kind of blink a lot or mm. uh, or they might make a little noise and that would be kind of you know a mild case where you know you have um there's a lady in the UK called Jess Tom um, she goes by Tourette's Hero and she's a comedian. She's 20, She's in a wheelchair at the moment, um, well, f- for most of her life because her Tourette's is that bad. Mm. And she has a carer because she just, she she can't live on her own without somebody being there because her Tourette's are just take over. Yeah. They don't let her live normally. Wow. Yeah, no, so the services that are out there, Tracy, are not great, are they? I, I think one of the no. most hurtful things you had to deal with was, did someone try and send you to a parenting course? Yes, yes. So what the hell is I, that about? Um, so the, I've had this conversation with so many parents of kids with Tourette's where they've been to CAMS, they've been and they because there's not enough known about it in Ireland they don't treat threats so when a child presents with these ticks they go through every medical test that they can do um, if they have a good doctor um, I was lucky enough that my GP you know sent me in the right direction and they rule out anything physical basically mm. um, that might be causing it and when there's nothing comes up like that then you're sent to um, to CAMS and they, they, they their understanding of it is it's environmental. It's, um, you know, that, that this is the child's way of responding to your parenting. So I, I've had, say. yeah, so you are, you're sent on a parenting course and I've had so many parents all around the country, up in the north even, Going, gone through the same experience like I've had parents on the phone in tears to me at different things you know at different stages and they're like is it really my doing you know and it's not you know Tourette's is is, is a neurological disorder yes and um, it's it's inherited so it is passed on through families it's um, genetic it's, but it it's, may it's not. a genetic thing isn't it um, it, it's they say it is, but they they they're still researching to kind of find out um, what gene causes it. I see. They can't. They're not. You know. They say it's part part natural, part environmental. Okay. Um, but what they mean by part environmental is um, that the Tourette's can kind of lay dormant in people, and something will bring it to the forefront. Trigger. So, like in the documentary last night. Um, Lewis Capaldi through his anxiety and stuff that triggered yeah. the, the Tourette's to kind of worsen but his mom did mention that when he was younger he used to blink quite a lot and, but they just never took any notice of That's it because right. you know something mild like that you wouldn't That's right. Um, There's a scene in it as well with his dad and I felt very cross at his dad but I thought how would I react in the same position where they're sitting in mm-hmm. the kitchen 
and Lewis is trying to drink yes, a cuppa or I something. Know the one. And he says, You're yeah, twitching again. Yeah. And he's trying, he's trying to say, Dad, I can't help it. Yeah. And the thing is, when, when somebody says something about it, it makes it worse because, um, and my son was saying this to me last night, like he's, he's ticks are barely not, he, he doesn't realize he's ticking anymore because, you know, he says to me, oh, I, I haven't ticked in, in weeks, but yet his sister was, would be like, no, he is ticking, but he's just, they're so mild, he doesn't even notice. Yes. But if somebody mentions it to him, then it triggers it, it in the brain it. and... Yeah. Yeah, and you're conscious of it, so it makes it worse. Can they so, yeah, be treated? Feel... Can they be treated, Tracy? Like, can you get medication for them, or what? So there is medication offered, um, and it's very hard to get. We, um, at the time, my son was younger. We met with a doctor in the Mercy, um, Doctor Olivia Manny, who she's no, not a Tourette specialist, but yeah, but and she's brilliant. But she has an interest in voluntary body movements, so you know she has an interest in in those kind of disorders. So it's, you have to see somebody like that to mm-hmm. get um, medication. And what the medication does is it kind of, I suppose, it suppresses it a little bit, yeah. but. Um, just from people I've spoken to who've been on it, it's more of something to like keep you on a level. Yeah. You know, where and then they're like, No, it made me feel like, you know, I wasn't myself anymore. And yeah. so there is that side of it and there is some um like cognitive behavioural therapy that has, you know, been shown to to work in yeah. and I think Lewis was saying he was doing some of that. Yes. Um there's, there's, but there's, a that, that, of there's nothing I think treated like I think what you've been shocked to discover, Tracy, through working with your son and and running the Facebook pages, the the amount of it out there that we don't know about. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, the most recent study, and it's still ongoing at the moment. Um, now all of figures come from the US because it's the only place that's kind of really looking into it. Um, there's a big, big study at the moment, and it's looking at it worldwide. And they say one in every 100 kids will have a mild tick disorder, some kind of a mild tick disorder. Mm. But one in 60, sorry, one in 160 will be Tourette's. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And the thing with Tourette's is it it never presents on its own. Yeah. Um. You always get what's called comorbid conditions. So if somebody has Tourette's, then they will most likely have things like ADHD, OCD. Yeah. Um. They could be on the ASD spectrum. Yeah. Um. Aspergers, epilepsy, yeah. the depression and anxiety, like Lewis was. was um, experiencing so it's often hidden with something like that you know like for example my one of my sons he had to like touch a thing certain number if he touched off something he would have to touch it a number of times which kind of falls under the OCD Those bracket shit. but it's yeah. also a tick yeah, okay. so things can like Tourette's can be masked yeah. by other conditions um, and like one of the worst things with Tourette's is because it's so like unknown if you go to places like CAMS they don't know how to, to work with it so they they work with the other conditions which is great you know they're working with the ADHD and OCD and whatever else is there but for a child in school Tourette's means nothing they will not get any extra assistance unless they have the, their diagnosis of yeah. ADHD or OCD or whatever else is there. Um, that's the only, those diagnoses will get them extra help in school. Okay. And I mean, the Tourette's alone makes schooling near impossible for a lot of kids. Yeah, because teachers so. just won't be able to handle it. 
And it can, no, it could be. No, dis- I mean, the, with the, with the best will in the world and not wishing to be unkind, it could be disruptive to a class too, couldn't it? Oh, of course, definitely. You know, they need a lot of movement breaks. Um, it's very hard to concentrate. I mean, if you imagine you're sitting there and you're trying to write something, and every five seconds your whole body jumps yes. because that's your take, and your or your your head turns, so it takes your focus off the page, and you have to come back and find where you were on the page to go again. And you know, it, it's it, it, they struggle a, a good bit that way with school. Yeah, your son is in a, in his is in his 20s now how does he mm-hmm. deal with it psychologically as in this is with him for life how does that how does that affect him or does it he's fine now he's come to terms with it um he did struggle with it a lot um mental health wise and everything as a teenager because you can imagine you know a teenage boy in you know secondary school and um he went from a very, very small primary school where it was fully accepted because everyone just knew him. This was just Daniel and this is, you know, how he, he was. But when he went into secondary school, he went into like, you know, a thousand people school and people didn't know him. Yeah. So now the school were brilliant, you know, and they they did every every year they have um, like a, an awareness of all different need, extra needs and special needs and all this. So they did, you know, highlight Tourette's and they asked him beforehand, do you mind if we do it? And he was saying no, because he said, then people will know why yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. But like there was an incident where um, one of his ticks was sticking up his middle finger, you know, and that was just, he just did it. He did, couldn't help it. But somebody took it the wrong way and thought it was meant at them. And he ended up um, with a black eye from us. Is is that so, a thing with ticks, Tracy? That's an interesting one now. Is there a thing, because mm-hmm. there's a chap, and I'll mention his name in a minute, that I watch or watched on Facebook for a while. Is it a thing that sometimes a tick will be a movement or a word, like you said, the words are rare enough, but a movement that is, like in the case of giving someone the middle finger, socially unacceptable? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So It's almost like it's the body called, chooses um, to do this. It is. Um, Tourette's can be quite environmental. So depending on where you are, certain tics can present that you mightn't have anywhere else. Um, I We've met up with a lot of different families. We were lucky when Daniel was young that the support group was very strong and we organised um, a day out in Dublin Zoo. And we met with somebody who... Like Luce Capaldi, his his Tourette's didn't present until he was in his twenties. Yeah. Um, and it was an anxiety thing brought it out in him as well. Kind quite similar story. But his Tourette's was a lot more extreme than what my son's was. So watching him like every when we were on a bus, his ticks were like there's a bomb on the bus, the bus is on fire, things like this that was really inappropriate, you know, mm. but it, it was just because we were on the bus. It's and then like we the went. Brain, it's almost like the brain doesn't have a filter for these things. That's it. That's it. it, it it's almost like, you know, like he, he has an awful trouble going through airports, this guy, and he would have to take um, something to suppress it going through an airport. But it's almost like the brain thinks what's the most inappropriate there? Yeah. what shouldn't I say here yeah. and that's what it makes it say yeah. or makes it do that's actually, you know, that's actually and a very good way of putting it no the guy I'm talking yeah, about I don't know if you've so come hot. across him he's a lad from from the north uh, Lewis Nickel um, cue ball he goes by no. um, but okay. I started following him a few years ago because I was interested in his videos now he's an MMA fighter um, but in the very early days of his videos like they were swear fests 
and yeah. you, you bore with him because he's actually hilariously funny and he was doing this to mm-hmm. present how Tourette's affected him and he said, I can't, I can't yeah. buy a loaf of bread without getting barred from the shop. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and, and that's and it. Like, people don't understand. They don't yeah. realise, you know. Yeah. 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 I wish you and, and your son... Uh, well, I know you've mentioned his name a couple of times. We'd, we won't do that again in case you are. Yeah, yeah. That was inadvertent. That's fine. Uh, we wish you and him and everybody well. The awareness pages Tourette's Alliance Ireland and what's the other one? That's Tourette's just, Ireland. Just, uh, yeah, Tourette's Ireland and the Tourette's Alliance is on the, the um, profile picture of it. Excellent. All right, listen. My best to you and the family, Tracy. Thank you very much, Tracy Collin. There's a lot of it out there, a hell of a lot of it out there. But that's just the thing about it. It's it seems to bring out the most inappropriate behaviour at the most inappropriate time. Like your body doesn't have a filter. And actually, there's a there's a thing about autism as well. And I'm sure people are listening to me now. I'm not linking the two, but autism and particularly Aspergers, there's an inappropriate behaviour. Don't, don't don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. They can't stop. It's it's like the filter is down. It's like there is no filter. I know a lady with Tourette says this call every so often she gives out a bark out of her. A lot of people don't understand how it happens. She finds running helpful to control it, but everybody is different. And PJ, just to say too, a lot of kids have childhood tics and do grow out of them. I had them. Ask my parent and my mother. I remember my poor father at the time was driven mad by them. When I got glasses first as a kid, they, I, I couldn't, I wasn't comfortable in my glasses. Um, and I kept twitching my nose and my eyebrows to try and move them around my face. And yeah, um, my son has a few ticks, closes his eyes, repeats his sentences. He's just six. My GP said a huge amount of kids get them and they'd go away. It's not always Tourette's, but it's really interesting to hear Tracy's son's story. Well done for letting people know, says Anna. And indeed, Anna, I suggest you go and watch that documentary if you haven't seen it yet on Netflix. It's called How I'm Feeling Now, uh, the life and times of a wonderful, wonderful pop star, uh, Louis Capaldi. And I have to say, after what I, I always liked his stuff, um, love his voice from the very first time I heard it, but I now have more respect for the guy than I ever had because of every time he steps on stage is a battle with anxiety and 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 stress and with Tourette's. Some do it for the challenge, some for charity, and some for the cheer. Yeah, we run and we run and we run. Cork's 96FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Run solo in the Fuller Half Marathon or take part in the first ever 10-kilometre race, which can now be run solo or part of a team, which now includes ages 15 plus and up. Yeah, we run and we run and we run. Sign up for Cork's feel-good event of the year. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. With Cork's 96FM. I mentioned yesterday morning that um, people are... Stressed out uh, with the kids being at home for Easter uh, on the holidays, and there was people on this very floor of Broadcasting House complaining about the length of the school holidays at Easter. And I was gently pointing out to the people who were complaining about the length of holidays on this very floor: they're only two days, or at most two and a half days, longer than they used to be. Um, 
Emirates, PJ, I am demented, demented. These Easter holidays are too bloody long. The weather is shocking, the kids are bored, the rain's pouring down, and parents across the city and county are at their wit's end trying to entertain the smallies, or at least I am anyway. We really need to look at the length of the Easter holidays. Two weeks is way too long for working parents. This needs to stop, says Emma. If two months off in the summer, two weeks at Christmas, a week in February, I think the Easter holidays should be slashed to one week instead of two. I know I'm not alone in this. All the mums in my WhatsApp groups are saying the same. What are your listeners' thoughts? It was actually uh, Noel Dempsey when he was Minister for Education. And that's not today or yesterday, but he did. He was Minister of Education and he did things like standardise the holidays. So it's because of Minister Dempsey when he was minister you used to finish up when I was in school and I think up, probably up to recently when I was in school you used to finish up on the Wednesday before Easter and you'd be back on the Monday the Monday week so now you finish up you're not back on the you finish up on the Friday so you're off Monday, Tuesday anyway. so it's two and a half three days longer than it used to be so it ain't exactly that much longer than it used to be no it's not it was also Noel Dempsey who had the kids finishing up a few days earlier for the school Christmas holidays as well. But are they too long? They're two weeks. Are they too long? Emma is tearing her hair out. What little she has left. There are people on these uh, floors of Cork's 96FM who are tearing their hair out as well. Um, are the kids... Oh, I know the weather is absolute crap. Um... And you've got to try and find something for them to do indoors. And as I keep reminding myself, you know, duct tape and cable ties are no longer considered an acceptable way to babysit. But is Emma right? Do you think that the holidays are too long? Are two weeks too long? I can imagine the look on the teachers' union's face if you said that they had to work on a good Friday. But that's, by the way, um, should they finish on the Thursday maybe or go back to finishing on the Wednesday? The Thursday is a holy day of obligation. Uh, is it? It's holy Thursday? No, it's just... Uh, what if they finished, go back to finishing on the Wednesday? You wouldn't get a teachers' union in the country to agree to working on the Friday. Trust me on that one. But is Emma Rice, should it be cut back to a week? 0818 96 96 96. Here's a few names that you might not remember or that if you do, you'll wonder where they've gone. Sidetrax, The Pav, Gorbys, Chaos, The Globe, Mangans, Go Back Further Again, Chandra's, remember? Where have all the clubs gone? The Pav is back now and doing some great things at the weekends. See where Jim Comet is playing in there Friday night. But it's different. It's not really a dancey type nightclub. The Savoy, remember that? The greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Cocos. Where are all the clubs gone? Shannon took to the Kinsale Notice Board. Um, where have all the nightclubs gone? You mentioned one that I used to play myself, Shannon. Bacchus. Yeah. Used to love playing in Bacchus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a good uh, It was a good night. Kinsale uh, definitely had a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I moved here 23 years ago, uh, I mean, Kinsale was just incredible, incredible, uh, 
energy, you, you know, the nightlife was great, the buzz was great, uh, and it's just suddenly, I just realized, now I am older now, of course, too, mm. I'm not going out as much, but <laughs> it's kind of, and I and I first came to Ireland 30 years ago, and even 30 years ago up in Galway, my ex-husband's from Galway, and just, it was so much fun coming, I, I'm from Seattle originally. And I just remember arriving and people out in the streets queuing up at Supermax. The Supermax after the club at like three in the morning yeah. was a whole thing into itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was just like, it just the, it was just fun. I mean, yeah. Ireland was so much fun. And I feel like recently, I'd say the last decade, I don't know where the fun went. Yeah. It's funny <laughs> that you should say it, Shannon, because in my days as a jobbing professional DJ, Kinsale, mm. like, come up to this time of the year now, and, and I'd yeah. be filling my diary for yeah. summer nights yeah. in Kinsale. And yeah. like, no, Kinsale well, has you, you, died. You, yeah, you'd, you'd give priority to Kinsale because there was a shed load of yeah. work down there. Yeah. The mm. hens and the stags, like, that's gone. I have, um, I'm in the kind of the food industry. I have a bakery in Balance Fiddle and some uh, customers I was chatting with. Sure, sure. The other day, we're saying that they they had a few hens. They had an Airbnb, and the hens were like, "Oh yeah, collect us at like two a.m." and and the host was like, "There's no two a.m. You'll be home at mid midnight. You know that's that's all there is. There is nowhere to go." And my youngest daughter is 26, and she was working in the wine bar, the Black Pig Wine Bar, for two years these last past years, and. She's like, Mom, there's nothing. After work, we do nothing. You know, there's no club to go to. Uh, of course, we might go back to somebody's house, but... Is there, know, is there, there's, is there's nothing. Is there still is there music in the pubs, even up to closing time? I think, yeah, I mean, I think there is. I think, um, I mean, my, well, I'm going back to when I had uh, probably my favourite, it's most favourite times when... Uh, Maher, um, oh, John Maher, he had Money Maher's. And oh, Moody's, yeah, 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 yeah. and he was also involved in a place called Swell, where Kitty O'Shea's is now. And then you had the Bacchus, you had White Lady, but those, like, you could just go from one to the other. Right. And I think Kitty O'Shea's has music, and I know when I did the post, um, the Blue Haven, definitely, but it's not like a nightclub, you know, yeah. there isn't there isn't a white lady, and I know, listen, I know times have changed, insurance is a huge thing, uh, people are getting, people that were in the club are getting older, and they're probably like, no, nah, I don't want this lifestyle anymore, getting home late, you know, yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. thing, yeah. so it is a certain lifestyle for, but they probably started when they were in their 20s, their 30s, mm -hmm. and now they're in their 50s. <laughs> I, I wanted to share something with you, Shannon, that I experienced recently and I thought you know what Covid changed an awful lot. I was out in my own local a few weeks ago and there's a chap mm -hmm. I know was playing there Tony Milner um, fine fellow with a guitar and a few songs and classic hits from years gone by and mm -hmm. like it was a Friday night so the pub was open till half past twelve but mm -hmm. Tony was packing up his gear with his job done at quarter past eleven. Like that's yeah. a change. Yeah, I'd say as well the other thing Hello. They're staying at home. They can they can have their friends. But also getting home. Yeah. Getting home is an issue. Um, if you're not living in a town center, like a cab for where I live, just outside of Kinsale, literally a ten minute drive outside of Kinsale is like twenty it was yeah. nineteen euro. I'd say it's gone up to thirty now. That's ridiculous. So 
even in, and then you can't get a cab. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to even. And courtesy get a buses cab, are gone you know? as well. They used to be courtesy buses. They're gone too. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there, I'd say there's a lot of uh, factors. Um, oh, there is. Yeah. Do you know, like my, like I said, my daughter. She said there's. She grew up in Kinsale, uh, went to college in Dublin, came back home after COVID, worked, and now she's traveling. But she's like, there is absolutely nothing to do in Kinsale after yeah. work if you're in the service industry. There's. And yeah. it just made me think about all the fun that we had, like in the early 2000s, oh, mid 2000s, like stop? the Bullman was packed. And, you know, there was just something everywhere. And mm. it, I don't know, was it of a time or was it just, I don't know what it was, but like they're like, it, it's closed shop at midnight and can sell. Closed shop. It's, and I, I think it's gone that way everywhere, are. Shannon. I really do think yeah. it's gone that way everywhere. And like I said, the music now seems to finish earlier. That particular pub that I was in that night, and a Friday night, mm. like I got in, I went to meet my my pal. Um, I got in there in time to watch the second half of a rugby match on on telly. Then the music started. Then my buddy joined me, and the place was empty at twenty past twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one comment on the post that I did was actually no, I'm Danny. Uh, he said in I think his he did some research. There was two hundred and eighty eight pubs in. Ireland, or sorry, clubs in Ireland. I think I don't know the exact time. Did he say 2010? And now there's only I, 88. I know yeah, this stat. Yeah, yeah. The the, the mm. clubs are gone, and you'd miss them. You'd miss the nightlife, the nightlife, and and certainly but, you would. But also, do you think Ireland has become has lost its edge? Do you think we've become more um, like? Has it been more homogenous? Like I, I remember coming sure. to Ireland 30 years ago, and it was just like. You know, you had shabines, people were piling in cars, yeah. driving down the road, going yeah. back to the house for after parties till like five in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You the know, there. Do you remember the spinnaker? Has, oh, yeah. Remember yeah, Terry, that, Terry that, Mullen's place? Yep. Manny's, Manny's yeah. the late night we had with Terry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there, it's just gone. I think it's just, unfortunately, I don't know if it's gentrification of the country as a whole or what the story is, but. It's. I just remember when I came here in the early '90s. It was just like, oh, this is an amazing country. Yeah. yeah. Nobody gives a shit. There's so much fun. Yeah. It's, you know. Yeah. The uh, night, no, I think I think nightlife has changed and not for the better. You're 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 right. Someone is on here saying uh, I'm a taxi driver. Cork Airport Kinsale should be 35 mm. euro and no more. Uh, if you're mm. if you're being charged 28 quid for a 10 minute ride, that's uh, yeah. wrong. You should report oh. it. But the rest of us wouldn't yeah, well, charge some that. Friends, some friends paid 90 euro from Cork to Kinsale. They didn't want to take what? the last bus home. Yeah, 90 euro. They 90 quid? 90, euro. 90 from Cork to Kinsale. And she said, look, we had a great night. But I was just like, 90 euro, that's insane. That's ridiculous. I don't know. Because I'd say after a certain time... Now, there was possibly maybe? a multiple person charge in there and stuff like that, but still... Two people. Two people. Two people. It was, it was, yeah, it was two people. She when said did this happen, Shannon? Uh, I think they went out a few months ago, she said. It's my hairdresser. <laughs> but they went out. They had a great time. I don't know if anyone's out there who can comment on that, but 90 quid. There's yeah, a taxi driver... Yeah adamant that those charges will be wrong the airport to Kinsale and that'll be a fairly standard run the airport to Kinsale 35 quid if you're being charged 28 for 10 minutes worth of it you're being overcharged yeah, yeah. and you should report it uh, and not all taxis would even charge that but yeah that's you should certainly report that many thanks Shannon I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time because you've opened a whole different conversation in, in terms of nightlife 
and, and how it has changed. And the price of getting there and the price of getting home, this particular uh, taxi driver on the phone is horrified and angry and doesn't want all drivers painted like that. Well, I think, ter- I think to be fair to Shannon, you're just pointing out one person's experience. And that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the case. It should not be the case. 35 quid for the taxi from the airport to Kinsale. If you're doing local taxis down there and someone's charging you that, you should probably report them. Thank you for that. 0818969696. But I was amazed at that. Had anybody else noticed that with live music um, in particular? That it's starting earlier and finishing earlier. And there's nothing really doing after about quarter past 12, unless you want to go into town or you want to go into specific late night places and they're not what they were either. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM Cork's 96 FM is giving away free money. Free money. Somebody say hey All you have to do is snap the app. Download. Step one. Download the Quirks 96FM app to your phone. Step two. Snap a screenshot. Step three. What's up in to win? What's up in to win? Stay listening from 6am weekdays for your chance to play. Take me where you are. Snap the app. Your ticket to free money. The winning begins next Monday. On Cork's 96 FM. Yesterday we were talking to two Cork businesses who unfortunately are closing their doors. Uh, Household Linens and the Casanova Gelato said to see them both go. But it's not all bad news. I would never have guessed, Doreen O'Kelly, that Doreen's Bakery was 40 years old. I'd never have guessed it. Good morning and congratulations. Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much. Yeah. 1983 in your own kitchen. Yes, we started in our own kitchen. We have six children and I couldn't work outside the home, so I decided to work in the home. Mm. So, you know, it started from there. Your own self-taught recipes, your own self-taught baking, was it? Yes, well, I, uh, I trained in Street in catering in Dublin. Okay. And then, and then I moved to Cork and had family. And set up business uh, at home. Yeah, and it took off from there. And then I moved to a small. After three years, I moved to a small unit in Ballingolic. And after two years, we moved. It started to get bigger, so we needed a larger space, and we moved to the Model Farm Road, where we are now, West Side Centre. Yeah, yeah. There to this day, how yes. how quickly did it take off? Were you surprised when it started to take off? Um. Yes, I was. Uh, I was delighted because I needed an income, which and I liked what I was doing, and it just grew from there. I had private people, and then people were saying, "Why don't you have a little start a, a business?" and and that's how it all started. So and then I had to move to the model farm road because it, it started to get too big, and we needed larger equipment. Yeah, like from from your kitchen table in in nineteen eighty three to, yes. to, to, to supplying. The likes of Super Value and and many other outlets. Like, how many how many staff do you have now? We have about fifteen, maybe fifteen, and uh, maybe up to twenty on and off. Yes. Wow. 
peak oh. times would be Christmas, so we'd have to bring in because we do a lot of other things like hampers and that. Yeah, the apple squares and the chocolate eclairs and the cinnamon, yep. and, yep. and you do, you do, you do. Now, do you call it Chester cake or donkey's scrooge? I we call it Chester cake. I very <laughs> yeah, which I think is lovely. I never had that until like. Uh, came to Cork and I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's a fabulous, fabulous yes, Cork yes. delicacy. And like, did you, you you stick to the same recipes, the same natural products, the same local ingredients? Is that the secret to it, Doreen? Yes, it is. The, the, well, the secret to me is using good quality. Yeah, we never um, went away from that. You know, we, uh, even when it was difficult and Things were expensive. We still, our suppliers were Odlum, uh, Dailies, our local local suppliers. Yeah. Our home, our vegetables, our oil. It's all local and good quality. We stick to good quality, and that is very important. Well, that, that, so, that shows in the product. Shows yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a true family. Are you, you know, did I hear your grandson is working with you now? Uh, yes, I'm. We're very lucky. I'm very lucky that it's time. It will be time for me to move on. And my grandson, Cahill Moynihan, is there at the moment. He's the face of it. I'm only the speaker at the moment. He's the face of it. He's well known in our local shop. Uh, he's fantastic. Yes. Fabulous. Yes. fabulous. And yes, the web- yeah, we're lucky. We're very, yeah. I wouldn't call it luck. I call it hard work. That's exactly what I was going to say. I heard you saying lucky, and I don't know. There's, there, yeah, as, Jack, as Jack, Jack Nicklaus, the great golfer, used to say, is the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yes. Yeah, the look is that my grandson is get, is involved and is really involved. He, he's a hard worker, very committed. Time is no problem, yeah. and that's that's the look. But the rest was hard work. Do you still start really early in the morning? Yes, I do. I start very early. But I, we have a fantastic team, absolutely. Some that are with us fourteen years, and oh. the rest have come over the years. But they are so committed to their work and to quality, and that is success. Yeah, yeah. Like how early on a, on a busy day? I, I start at one thirty every morning. You what? One thirty. <laughs> Even now? That's not called luck, now, is it? You start at half past. But one. I wouldn't work. Yes, but you know, it's there are different times of work. So others will come in at three. We have a fantastic man that comes in at three. And then we oh, had. Because I was thinking, Doreen, and I'd asked you what time you start, you might have said half five or six o'clock. No. And because uh, you see, everything is going out. We have fresh scones and fresh bread going out. And we have two fantastic delivery men that come in very early, half four, and there have to go and everything, you know. And then we have, we have bakers that bake through the night. So everything is very fresh. Very, very fresh. That's what we aim for. My goodness me. Yeah. 40 years in business and still starting work at half one in the morning. That's the secret to success, Doreen. Yeah, uh, but then I wouldn't work for long hours, maybe five hours, and then the next team would come in and they yeah. take over. When, when, when do company. you get some rest? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm resting now. I'm home now. I'm home. <laughs> I'm sitting at home while I speak to you. Good and thank you very much for phoning me. Oh, delighted, delighted to have you on because there's a connection here because our, our former colleague in the newsroom and, and friend to many of us in here, Suzanne Doherty, is your daughter-in-law. 
Yeah, she's a darling, yes. Ah, she's a pet. I haven't seen her in a long time, but she's a pet. Yes. We were yes. all mad about her in here in Gutter when she left us. But, yeah, great, great. Yes. Family, family business. That's, um, Doreen, that's amazing. Doreen O'Kelly uh, and, of course, uh, Gerard established it in 1983. Doreen'sBakery.ie is the website, and you'll find all you need there. That is, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of knocked back for six there. Because when I said early starts, and she said, yeah, I was working at half one this morning. I goes, oh, my God. And I think I get up at stupid o'clock. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. You know, Emma, who wrote to me earlier on about having nothing to do with the children for the Easter holidays and giving out yards because the weather is rubbish. <laughs> and the rain keeps falling down and they're stuck inside with nothing to do she really isn't going to like me for what I'm going to say now because next week Emma when they're gone back to school Alan at Carla Weather is making one of his predictions he doesn't make too many but he's calling it for next year for next week spring will finally spring sprung whatever it does uh, next week it looks like a major improvement in the weather from the weekend into next week with afternoon temperatures up to 17 Celsius and some lovely spring sunshine for next week. So Emma will be even more annoyed with that. 0818969696. Also, yesterday I was talking to Pat Phelan, uh, which you know, in a second, Sarah, I just want to get through about one more thing and with you then. Um, I was talking to Pat Phelan yesterday about how he has decided to divert all of his business calls, and he has many of them to a small little Nokia blockia at the weekend just to cut down on his screen time after he got the report from his iPhone that he was spending nearly nine hours a day on his various screens and how he thought, look, let's just lock it down at the weekend. If anyone needs to get me, they can get me on this small Nokia, but I'll be off my social media, I'll be off all my screens. I just need to cut down. We had an email or a text, was it a text, in from Daniel not the kindest text I've ever read in my life, but I'll get to it in a while. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Sarah, you have been getting strange phone calls. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. You've been getting um, some yeah. odd phone calls. So, it happened uh, about September last year, and uh, I'd get a phone call, and the person would just tell me, uh, I missed a call from you. Right. And I was like, no, no, you haven't. And it's after happening around nine or ten times now. Um, the latest was the weekend just gone. <clears throat> and the gentleman that rang said, sent me an actual screenshot. And it was my number, but I hadn't called it at all. You know, there doesn't seem to be anything sinister at all. Like the the call is going through with my number, but there is no contact. Like when they go to ring it back, it rings me back. Yeah. 
And have any of them answered it? They said they could never, they never got to it. Uh, it rang a couple of times and then would hang up and that's why they keep on returning the call. Oh, I see. Yeah, because what, you get eight or nine, you might, you might get 30 seconds of an opportunity to answer a call. I'm just wondering if anybody answered your number while it was ringing. No, no. Well, not that I know of yes. because, I've, well, I've only gotten the phone calls that... They've missed the call, but it diverts straight back to me. Very strange. Did you ring your your mobile provider? Uh, they can't do anything. They they said, "Odd, oh, um, it could be cloned by uh, change your number," which I can't really do that. I know that'd be a hell of a lot of <laughs> messing around. Yes, but it, the, and the last person who actually called me said that it had happened to him a couple of times where people had been ringing him saying that his number had called them and he put it down to um, something to do with HSE and um, using their website or something. Well, there was, was a straight scam. After that. There, there was a scam uh, which we were talking about a couple of times in recent months to do with people getting messages to say they had been COVID close contacts and please click on this oh, link yeah. so you can get tests and yeah and maybe people got but it sounds like you have a cloned number Sarah yeah yeah but like I said so far there hasn't been anything sinister it's just random people calling me and telling me that I had rang them was it to anybody which I you just knew, take a screenshot none of them no and from all over the country. Crikey. Literally, what I do now is I just screenshot my call log straight away while I'm on the phone to them and send us. And it's like, and they can screenshot their call log and show me and my number is on us. Here's a good question coming in on the line. Have you by any chance had a letter from the HSE about the data leak? Um, me, not personally, but I would have accessed um, a lot to do with the HSE um, as I was a care assistant for some right, time. Right, because they're sending letters to thousands of people at the moment. Do you remember, you remember, you remember of course, the, the, the big hack there? Was it May of 2022 yeah, yeah. or May of 2021, was it? This, um, whenever it happened anyway. And... Um, they, they're, they're sending out letters at the moment to people whose data was um, involved in that. I think they have... Oh, okay. I think they have a GDPR regulation to do that. I'm not too sure about that. But, um, yeah, Emer is telling me here she got one of those letters two weeks ago. And for the last week, she's now getting WhatsApps from strange numbers in, in, in England. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Now that's in. This is worthy of further investigation, as they say, Sarah. So there are. I, I know because I know someone who got one recently. Um, to to tell them that their their data had data been, had been involved in the cyber attack, and that they didn't have anything to worry about as such. They were just being told that their data was involved. Maybe there's something going on. That's yeah. interesting. But, you, and you worked like said, very closely with the HSE. So, without wanting to put the writers on you, Sarah, there's every there's every chance your data was involved in this thing. Yeah. But you haven't had a letter I've, yet. Like, 
for the for the first couple of phone calls, I actually even rang the guards to kind of find out whether there was a scam and whether my number was involved in, I don't know, some criminal activity or something. Mm. But um, yeah, they, they never heard of it happen. Wow. So. Very interesting. Maybe somebody else will have an experience like that. Uh, Sarah, thank you. Uh, Sarah is getting strange phone calls from people who claim to have missed a call from her, but when she rings or when they ring her, she's never heard of them and she didn't call them. And Emer is telling me now here on screen that she got one of those letters from the HSE. Um, and since she got one of those letters from the HSE, she's getting random WhatsApps from English numbers. So any anyone else have an experience like that? It might not be connected. It might not be connected but just, just throwing it out there for what it's worth. Is anybody else getting calls from people who said, oh you rang me? Uh, no I didn't. No I didn't and I don't know who you are. Um, have a nice day and all that. Thanks Sarah. 0818 96 96 96. Now Graham, I've spoken to Graham McCormack quite a number of times. Um, Graham, the, the, the whole mental health discussion um, to the fore again through Lewis Capaldi and this wonderful documentary and uh, the many other people. It, it, it seems to me, Graham, and you and I have spoken before, you've told me your story more than once, but it seems to me, Graham, that there's a lot of anxiety out there now more maybe than there used to be. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? How are you, you getting on? Do you I'm think there's good. more anxiety out there? Um, I do. I would, like, I would do lots of talks in, in schools, in businesses, everywhere, um, anywhere that will have me, really. And I think a common theme that I have come across with people coming up to me after the talk is anxiety-related. And, like, anxiety was always a thing, and... COVID kicked in and post-COVID I am seeing a rise in a pattern of people talking about it and I think I personally put it down to, you know, I think once we all went through COVID the entire world literally experienced a trauma Mm. and we were all shaken to the core because we were full of uncertainty and not knowing and then obviously we were told how how severe everything was and, and danger, danger, danger and so on and so forth. Of course you're going to be shaken to the core you know and it would actually, if you had anxiety pre-COVID, uh, post-COVID, you can guarantee it's absolutely going to be cleared up on some level. Yeah. You just have to. It's natural because you've experienced a trauma. One, one I, thing that I think a lot of people, I remember talking to them during lockdown and after lockdown in particular, and people who were at home for long periods of time, they wouldn't have referred to anxiety using that word, but they would have said, Graham, that their inner overthinker went into overdrive. That's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think, you know, when people say how they're feeling, they're like 99% of us, first of all, don't even know what we're feeling. We can only express it through words and give you an idea. Uh, we, like, there, uh, there is actually, I went through a therapy called DBT. Yeah. And we came across like certain studies in, in psychology and everything else where people do actually have a major issue with, with describing accurately what they're feeling. You know, whether labeling something anxiety, depression, overwhelm, nervousness, we have a, a challenge doing that. And I think that, you know, as, like before I even got into that therapy, I would find it very hard 
to label anything because I had never done what's called like inner work. I'd never worked on myself or looked at myself, um, you know, in a personal development manner. <coughs> Excuse me. So I would have found it very hard, you know, to label it. But I absolutely would have put across what I was going through and how I was feeling in that way, you know. So it is like not everyone will tell you that they're anxious, but they will tell you what they're going through. And, you know, statements like that, you know, my mind went into overdrive is overwhelmed, it is anxious yeah, yeah. by nature. You know, the mind does go there um, when we fixate on something. Um, first of all, it's not our fault if we are anxious. It's, it's You know, it can be labelled as a, a disorder, an anxiety disorder. Not all the time, but it can be. Yeah. So first of all, it's not your fault. And we can go into overdrive once we fixate on something. And the worst thing about uh, overthinking or overwhelm is that you cannot think your way out of anxiety. If you try and do that, you've just compounded how you feel. Yeah. So it, it like, doesn't oh, it doesn't answer to logic. You have a worry, and that worry is you're like a hamster in a wheel, and the other side of your head knows that that's actually nothing to worry about. But for some reason, they're not communicating with each other. Yeah, it's like it's rational and and the irrational uh, parts of the mind. Uh, the rational and logical side goes, "Look, I know I'm okay deep down." Um, but here's something that may or may not actually happen. Let's focus on that for a while. Yeah. Let's burn some energy here. You know, come back to to yourself. And you have you told me your story many many times. Uh, your your life was a mess uh, at the age of nineteen, and thankfully you're far far better today. And you you went right to the edge, as it were, and and you came back from it. But people get frightened, Graham, that if they'll get to that dark corner or that feeling of overwhelm, there's nothing there. What's the answer to that? Yeah, look, as long as you are going through something and you can observe for yourself that it seems to be getting worse, like we're naturally going to have fear. We're going to fear that, you know, that we may not come back. Uh, fear that I had a massive fear when I was going through my own stuff that that my mind would just break one day and I'd be really, really unwell. Uh, thankfully that that did not happen. I was really unwell, but my mind didn't just snap or break. And I think that, you know, as long as you are thinking stuff like that, you just have to stop and pause for a minute and just go, uh, this is very easy, you know, said than done. Um, But I found great power and value in going, hang on on a minute, I'm thinking this. And through the therapy that, um, that I had done, I learned stuff like, you know, thoughts are not facts. Just because I think something does not actually mean that it's going to happen. And I started to challenge stuff as well. Um, Like, you know, I started to challenge, go, you know, I had a thought like, okay, look, I may not come back. Okay, I feel like I'm I'm too deep here. I'm too much in in a dark hole. I would challenge it. You know, we had questions. I would go, where's the evidence for that? Is it the tendency of our minds, Graham, when we are feeling a bit off? Is it the tendency of our, our mind, our subconscious, call it what you will, to show us a worst case scenario and to almost catastrophize for us. Absolutely, absolutely. I always say that uh, when I was going through, let's say, anxiety myself, that you know I absolutely hated it. It was a disgusting, sick feeling within my within my stomach, within my mind, everything. I just I hated it, and I seen it as as something that I did not want or an, an enemy, for lack of a better word. But I found great value as well in actually going. Hang on a minute, anxiety is my friend. Why? And here's why, because as long as you are thinking of worst case scenario, what your mind is actually doing is it's trying to protect you. It's going, here, Graham, here's this horrible situation. Here's a fight or flight feelings to ensure that this doesn't happen. 
I see. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to protect you. Um, it I doesn't see. feel like that at the time. It doesn't feel no. good. It feels horrendous. But it is your friend that's going, look, please, Graham, don't let this happen. Here's a flood of chemicals to, to ensure that it doesn't. The last time I was worried about something, and it was something small. Thankfully, I'm at a happy stage in my life where my worries are small. But I remember being worried about something and, and telling myself every day, stop worrying. It ain't going to work out. That this, everything's going to be fine. And, and yet you worry. And then everything is okay. And you have what I call myself an I told you so moment. But you can have a hundred of those. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it like, it, it's, to be fair, 90, I'd say 90% or 9 out of 10 times, uh, what we're thinking about, just it just won't happen. Mm. Something close to it, maybe, um, but the actual, like, to be specific and very clear on what we were thinking and for the chances for that to actually happen are usually very, very slim. And again, it comes back to our mind is only trying to protect us. If we know an, ex- an experience is coming up and it's going to stretch us out of our comfort zone in some way, like, you know, let's say you, you, you've lost your job, uh, you know that that equals less money, you know that you have responsibility in bills and you know they're coming down the line. You're going to get a letter in the door, this is owed, this bill, that and the other. So the day that we lose our job, we know that's coming. We know it's coming. So, of course, that is going to make us worry. Yeah. You know, but the main point of the, all this is as well is that I'd like to come back to this is that as long as you're in a state of overwhelm, anxiety, in that scenario, you've lost your job, you know bills are coming, you cannot perform to the best of your ability to ensure that those bills are covered, i.e. get another job. Or you might even want to leave your house. You're so anxious and worried. Yeah. You might close off your letterbox to ensure bills don't come in the door. You know, but as long as you're feeling that way, you're not going to be able to perform the best of your ability so, in a way that you deserve. So where is the help, Graham? Where do you start if you're in that position? I mean, if anyone's listening to us now, and like you said, and we've got energy bills coming in that are bigger than they've ever been before, some of them might be putting them into a drawer and closing the drawer and thinking they'll go away and they know they won't. What's the first thing people should do? Stop and pause. I always say just take a breath. You don't have to figure everything out right now. You don't like you don't have to start your whole life in one day, one hour, or one moment. Just take a breath. Nothing drastic is going to change from, from this moment, no matter what you do. So take a breath. Check in with yourself. See how you're feeling first. Don't mind what's outside of you. That's all dictated by what you do as a person. So the most important thing is to check in with yourself first. See how you're feeling. And I always say that, you know, if me and you, PJ, right, were to go through the exact same experience, bit for bit, in great detail, we went through the exact same thing. And as we were both going through it, a couple of weeks in, I went, Jesus, my mind is all over the place. I'm exhausted. I just, I just can't do this anymore. But you're going to, Graham, it's fine. Just keep going. You know, just, it's grand. It, it, everything will work out. Why, though, is there two different experiences there, though? It's the exact same thing we're going through, but you... We're able to continue, and I was not. Why is that? And it's called individuality, and we're all different. And the point I'm really trying to make here is that we all have a different reach-out point, is what I call it. Mm. So that reach-out point is the point where you go, you have a bit of self, you've checked in with yourself, you have self-honesty, and you go, do you know what? I don't actually think I can do this anymore on my own. I need help. 
and it it takes that self honesty, and it it's very very hard for us to be honest with ourselves. Absolutely, I think we fill ourselves with BS just to make ourselves feel a bit better uh, in life. So self honesty is huge, and look, the service. I'm a firm believer that the services are there. Well, there you go. I'm just going to get to that point with you because we hear so many stories all of them true, but so many horror stories about people not being able to access this and not you know, getting a response to that. But when you really need a service, it is there. It is. I, look, this is very easy for me to say. Um, having, you know, speaking from a place of, of, of recovery, I do remember greatly when I was going through my own stuff and I was going from, you know, I was being thrown around the mental health system. Uh, I was ending up in A&E, you know, suicidal, uh, not receiving help, the help that I expected or needed. I was told go home half the time, um, and that's the truth. Um, you know, constant waiting lists, you know, just I was just all over the place. It's absolutely not easy. It is complicated. Um, I think mindset comes into play there where you just have to just be persistent, uh, just keep going. If one door closes, another opens for you. Mm. Um, it might not be what you want, but as long as your loved one or yourself is stepping foot inside the door of somewhere, mm. change, you have an opportunity for change for the better there. Um, I think that, you know, there there is waiting list. It, look, there's governmental services, you know, the mental health system in Ireland. There's private services such as counsellors, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists. They're all there too. The services are there. There's there's free phone numbers. There's the Pieta House, uh, yeah. the Pieta phone number. There's Samaritans. Like, I've there's a friend, Graham. Uh? There's someone in your life that you can offload to, and it's the last one we think of. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, it, like, the thing with friends is, right, they're always, they're always going to be there on some level. Okay? Family is always going to be there on some level. Not greatly, no, but I'm just saying on some level. And Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I wouldn't just rely on services as long as you have a support system in place that means family friends you know social workers like counselors therapists psychologists whatever it may be as long as you have a support system again there is an opportunity for change for the better for you and you know when it comes to friends and family they're not professionals they're not trained or qualified to be non-judgmental as long as they're in front of you they are judgmental by nature because they're human. And as long as you try hardest to locate, find someone who's non-judgmental, who isn't going to sit up on their high horse and go, you know, you're stronger than this, or you should feel better, or why are you so weak, or this, that, and the other, all these judgmental statements. As long as you find someone who's non-judgmental, who's able to hold space for you, and not just throw advice in straight away, actually listen to you, you found a diamond. Hold on to them yeah. and use them. Yeah. Um, I just think it's I think the greatest challenge within the family and friends dynamic is to try and find someone who's not judgmental yeah. but I think it all comes back to having a support system that includes all types of services family, friends okay. and everything else you know well the advice is Graham if you feel you need help 
then reach out and ask for it. It's probably the most difficult thing you'll ever do in your life. But as Graham discovered himself at the age of 19 when his life was falling apart around him, the help was there. Thank you, Graham. Graham McCormick. You'll find him on Facebook and other um, social media and he does talks in schools and he's, he's uh, just become a, an ambassador for positive mental health. Thank you, Graham. The HSE Mental Health Information Line is a 24-7 service. Uh, 1-800-742-444 and there are many other many other supports out there but that's just one to start with uh, HSE have a 24 hour mental health information line 1-800-742-444 a lot of the love in the room for Doreen's Bakery her caramel slice says David is the best I've ever eaten lovely to hear such a great family success story oh my god says Anna Doreen is making me hungry with all the talk of cake I'm off out to buy some yeah I'd be very tempted no you see I'm trying to behave after Easter I, it, it, there's, no, there's no room for cake in Coogan Towers at the moment there's too much chocolate around but yeah yeah it's very hard to pass Doreen's cakes alright 0818 96 96 96 I'll read this for what it's worth Eames before I go to the break because I mentioned it earlier on and I don't think this is the kindest text we've ever had to the show but I'm going to bounce it out there to you for what it's worth Pat Phelan was on with me yesterday Pat as you know is an entrepreneur he's got businesses literally all over the world he travels around Sisu is his thing and he's got many other businesses some of which we don't even know about so he's a very 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 busy man and most of his life is lived online and he was spending nine hours a day staring at a screen and he thought I need to I need to you know step back from that so he bought a little Nokia Blockia little simple Nokia phone and he's diverting his calls from close the business Friday to open business Monday he's diverting all of his calls and messages to that phone so all he can take is a business call or an urgent call or WhatsApp or whatever no screens no social media none of that no internet nothing for the weekend we were chatting about that yesterday and we got this text good morning it's my first time texting a radio station your feature on using phones was so disingenuous with a caller who seems to be fluid on the truth okay nobody spends 11 hours on their phone a day without work or business activity was your expert suggesting he gets up at 8am and spends the next 9 hours on the phone this should tell you about his credibility I'll come back to that. We don't need to buy a small Nokia. Every phone has the ability to turn off mobile data and Wi-Fi. This will disconnect you from everything but still now calls. Not suggesting it isn't an issue. This is just attention-seeking and calling a radio station to exaggerate and embellish stories to gain praise or sympathy, says Daniel. Not the kindest text we've ever had, Daniel. I will just answer one thing. The nine hours a day that Pat noticed was from his Apple phone and I happen to be an iPhone user as well and at least once a week I get a message to tell me what my screen time was and it is a little bit scary and his screen time report the amount of time spent with the screen open in front of you his screen time was nine hours a day so he wasn't making it up well thank you Daniel 0818 
Michael, you heard me talking, God, it's a while ago now, uh, to, to Aware, and they were looking for, for people to help, and you went and you offered yourself. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. Um, I did, yeah. I think that was over a year ago. Um, no, it was definitely. Um, and yeah, because I've had my own um, issues as well with my mental health, and I spent some time in, in hospital as well, um, you know, just dealing with that. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose one of the, the things I found um, was when you come out, now, while the HSE were great and I had um, community um, help as well, um, you kind of feel you still feel alone. Uh, even as you're trying to get better, you still feel alone. And with with everybody's best intentions, it, nobody understands unless they've been there. Um, unless you felt what it's like to be, you know, depressed, or unless you felt what it's like to be suicidal or or very very anxious, you just don't understand and. And even on that, even to tell somebody when when they're when they're going through something bad, even to sit there and say to them, "Look, I, I understand," it's 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 not you a don't. good thing to do if you don't. Yeah. Because the one thing about when someone, I guess, is in a situation like that is is trust. They need trust. And if if you say to somebody, "I understand," well, straight away they they won't trust you because you don't understand. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I heard and I heard you talking to the guys um, from aware. So. Um, because I was so lucky and I got so much help um, I suppose I just wanted to see if I could give something back as well yeah. um, and I like that personally like the idea of, of support groups so people experiencing or that have experienced similar uh, situations helping each other uh, there's no professionals in the room you, in every meeting you have two facilitators I'd be a facilitator I'd have a co-facilitator all we do basically put it into ordinary terms is we chair the meeting mm. for the want of a better uh, term if somebody speaks explain how, how their week went how they're feeling and uh, we will put it out to the group if they want feedback on maybe something that they're, they're struggling with at the moment. Um, and and can, it, it's any, can just anybody come along to those uh, meetings? Maybe? Yeah, so you can book, you, you, you have to book in, just since COVID, um, all meetings have to be booked in. It's in Cork City, it's in Brew Columbanus, there in Wilton, um, uh, on a Thursday at 7 o'clock. Um, anybody can come, just book in through aware.ie. Okay. Even, even the website is excellent. Anybody that's feeling any anything with, uh, anything to do with anxiety, depression, bipolar, there are excellent videos, there are excellent excellent tips, there are webinars. It's excellent and it's all free. Interesting. That's fascinating. So, and I know Brule Columbanus very well. They facilitate all sorts of meetings yeah. like that. So, aware.ie details of the meeting, and you like you have to book, but it's free, and you can come along it's and just join free. in. All right. It's all free. And there's a support line as well, PJ. One eight hundred eighty forty eight forty eight. If anybody's ever feeling a, a little bit anxious and they want to talk to somebody, sometimes just talking 
uh, you know, it can lift the weight off your shoulders. Give me, give me that number your... again a bit more slowly. 1-800. 80 48 All right, Michael, I'm glad to, to know, because we talked before, I'm glad to know you're in such a good place at the moment and giving back uh, for the help that you got when you really, really needed it. Thank you so much, Michael. 0818969696, that aware number, I'll give it to you again in a minute. But Frank, we were talking earlier on about pubs closing and nightclubs closing and the nightlife gone and whatever and whatever and whatever, because there is a, it's, it's, our nightclub our nightlife is not what it was at all, at all, at all. Frank? Morning, Peter, how are you? I'm good. A statistic. A Between, small, a small statistic. Yeah. So the grotto at the bottom there by what used to be Ganey's pub, which is long gone I think, is no, not? No, Ganey's is still there. Is it still there? Okay. It's, it's one, yeah. Between I there think, and the brewery, how many used to be? How many pubs? 37 pubs. And that includes now the Old Commons Road and Jorgerson Street. Right. And we'll say Blackpool, Watergore Road. 37 pubs in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up there. And now, seven. Seven? Yeah. Crikey. Crikey. I mean, I mean, okay, mate, it's not... Well, in fairness, no, you wouldn't. You, there wouldn't be the business, with the price of drink these days, there wouldn't be the business to support 37 pubs. I don't, well, I mean, if the business was there back then, prices, I suppose, is relevant. True, 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 to, true. To what you're getting, really, like, um, you know, I mean, okay, you go out with £10, it'll probably get you the whole weekend. No, it wouldn't get you the half of the taxi fare, like, but it is, um, it's just different words. It wouldn't buy, it wouldn't, 10 euro, wouldn't buy the first round, oh, Frank, that's the question. Oh, oh, I wouldn't, without a doubt, like, but I mean, it's just people's habits, I suppose, have changed, call it progress, I suppose, but I believe that I started changing around the millennium, Peter. Yeah? Yeah, because people were so frightened and that we're going to have to pay 20 quid to get into our local pub and 10, 50 a point. Mm. Because <laughs> not far short of that in some places, no. That's true. And people are used to drinking at home. Yeah, they are. And I think people are socialising more at home, Frank. Certainly at the weekend. We had friends over at the weekend and we had a lovely day and we wouldn't have dreamed of going to the pub. Not dreamed of it. We just had a lovely day at home with a bit of music and some fun and some food and some drinks and some, some just great friends. And yeah, there's a lot more of that going on now. Uh, thank you for that, Frank. Quick call. Good man, 37 pubs in Blackpool in the 70s and 80s, and there was a fair few into the 90s and the noughties as well. Now there's seven. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Gardena robotic lawnmowers, wonderful things, wonderful toys. We have one to give away this week, thanks to our friends at Sound Store in Blackpool, Sarsfields Road, and Market Green in Middleton. We have a sound from the garden. And I want you to tell me what it is. These are hard, Fergalberry. You're really testing us this week. These are hard. A sound from the garden. 083 396 96 96. We want texts or WhatsApps. No calls for this. 083 396 96 96. Tell us what that is. Give us your name. 
and we might put you through at 5 to 12 for the draw for our Gardena robotic lawnmower. They have a three day sale this Friday to Sunday at Sound Store where you can go to see the Gardena on display but you might have won one before then. Wouldn't that be grand? 0818 96 96 96. Now coming up do you have a do you have a, a, a mobile home or, or a caravan on your on your land? Would you be interested in building a log cabin? Um, Deputy Matty McGrath from, uh, is it Tipperary he's from? He wants a change in the rules with regards to log cabins and temporary homes and mobile homes and all that because they cause havoc. Who was it we had on last year, Fergal? Was it Rob was his name? He'd built or half built a log cabin with everybody's permission, everybody's permission to do it. And then somebody from three fields away who didn't even live there objected. And he ended up in all sorts of grief with the planning rules. Uh, I think Matty wants to change that for a period of several years just to help people to get a place to lay their heads. Talk to him next, 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Six to nine AM on Corks ninety six FM. Do you get on well with the kids? I do. <laughs> do they do, do they get on with you? <laughs> do they like you? Sometimes. Jeremy, do you love your mummy? Uh, not too much. No, why? <laughs> See, I knew, I knew there's something, there's something going on in this house. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what, what's going on? Why do you not love your mummy too much? Because she shouts and roars. Oh, oh my God. God. The home truths are coming out now. Yeah, right. she, she only does that because you won't put your shoes on. Probably. No. Is it because, no. You, is it because you wear your underpants on your head? No. 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 Lads, you're all going to Thunderland. <laughs> It's I can't believe you said shouting and roaring. Oh, you, you That's your that. job. <laughs> <laughs> DC and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Corks 96FM. Chap on the phone last year um, about a log cabin he'd set up with the full knowledge and okay of everybody around him on a piece of land. Uh, and then somebody objected and he ended up in all sorts of grief with the council over utterly silly planning rules. Uh, Roy, thank you, Fergal. And uh, subsequently, Roy closed his business and himself and his partner, I believe, have moved to the UK. But there are a lot of complex planning laws about these little small log cabins or little shomras or mobile homes or caravans or whatever. And they're a pain in the neck. And Matty McGrath, in Tipperary Independent TD, is looking to have those laws relaxed in a way of, as a way of helping with the housing crisis. Matty, good morning. Good morning. And indeed I am. And I like to call him a little Tigine. You know, <laughs> and before a home for a single man or woman or maybe a couple or an elderly person. In many cases that I'm dealing with, there are ordinary people that are in families, maybe grandparents are in the houses, children have still, uh, adult children are still there. Mm. They have the way with all for maybe, or would help a family can get 20, 30, 40,000 together, you know, to get them set up. Get these little, very comfortable, very well blended, nice wooden structures 
And I'm not saying you put him on top of the hill where everybody can see him. Like the case you mentioned just a minute ago, where all the neighbours were okay with it and give permission that somebody objected. Look, laws are there, obviously, but the planning laws are too strict at present. Mm-hmm. If we're serious about solving a housing crisis, we must look at it holistically. And we must look at the amount of couples that are in country areas in my county and your county and all counties that have sites, lucky enough, and have the wherewithal to, to build a house but can't get planning. But to, to, And and that, that's because of different reasons for people. I'm all right, Jack. I'm in Antashka. I object mm. to anybody, you know, and that, that's an awful sad aspect yeah. of Ireland today. I, I, I'm thinking, Matty, in terms of uh, if I drive maybe 20 minutes down the road here, I can go to um, a, a company and I can buy yes. a two-bedroom yes. or a one-bedroom, an actual yes. apartment for about yes. 40,000 or maybe 45,000, fully plumbed, Less. fully wired. And if I can find a plot of land to put that on, the planning is a nuisance. Can I give you two scenarios that has presented my office sure. since I raised this a week, week ago? One is, unfortunately, a couple who lived in a bungalow, they didn't, marriage broke up, they couldn't afford to, one to buy out the other, they didn't have the way at all, so the house had to be sold. The wife moved off for the ex-wife, she's gone someplace else and hopefully looked after, I don't know where, where, and about the situation, but the man bought it aside locally of a neighbour, an acre, and um, got in, walked for or whatever, some kind of a bathroom, but he has it legally. He, he put in a mobile home, and what he actually did then was he built a log cabin around it. It's a yeah. beautiful yeah. And, and very aesthetically pleasing. And now the county council are, he's in the courts, and they have brought him through the courts, and now he's um, going to be forced to remove it. And every court appearance is causing him money he don't have. So he said to me, am I going to join the rest of the in Flamel Town that are homeless and that's the sad reality yeah. so if we're serious about solving the housing crisis I believe we're not we're not we couldn't be because we're, we're 10 years now at it and talking with as many ministers with as many promises broken promises and people homeless as I said you have the cohort who have money and are able to build a house and land or farm mm. or whatever they have been denied planning because of stupid rules you have this situation then here where ordinary people can get that money and, and this one I saw it in last week again in another rural town a village sorry behind the house not seen from anybody it's a hedge that that's there with with 40 years probably and this chap young barber decided to get uh, 35,000 together with support of family put it in have it uh, properly plumbed it's said today's it's in empty tank now but wait for this a minute he's already living in the house so they come up now with excuses about uh, uh, egress and access to the site uh, he's already using that entrance in and out he's born and ready and lived there for 34 years he's already using his uh, his showering and washing and whatever else and and, and in, in the house that's going to his percolation system so he's not putting any extra load onto the capacity of the sewers but they've all this whole list of problems so they yeah. need to get real the county councils and government departments and the moratorium at least for at least five to ten years to allow people to take every one of these that's in place and somebody happy in it is off a housing list. Okay. So, look, we, we're Here's the thing, Matty. Let, let, let us imagine, let us imagine I have a house and I have a, a half an acre or an acre onto it. And I would know of someone who is close enough to homelessness. And I would say, look, I have an old mobile home. Let's stick it on there. Yeah. We'll plumb it in. You're welcome to stay there for as long as you want. Pay me a nominal rent, 
and be happy. To, I'm happy to have you there. I'm not using the mobile home. It's there. Go in and use it. It's wired. It's plumbed. The telly is in there. It's it, whatever. I can't do that because of this nonsense. No. Now the yeah. other side of that is, Matty, okay. if we if we ease up too much, you'll have these things turning up everywhere. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, first of all, a moratorium for the ones that are built for at least five, ten years right. once we get out of this deep mire we're in. I'm saying, secondly, relax the re- regulation around properly aesthetically. And that, you saw them, they're visually, they're, they're beautiful, they're nice, soft colours, they're, 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 they're fabulous. Just let's just go back for one minute, PG, if you don't mind. And I love that spirit in you, you in my mobile home, you want to do that. That's the spirit of the male spirit and the support in Africa, Hurlakela, in Ireland. People, we've done it ever. Uh, we were on a walk, historic walk on Saturday morning, commemorating the hundredth uh, anniversary of Liam Lynch, and the, 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 the guide was talking about the safe houses. And we're going to visit a number of the ruins or remains of safe houses, and he was asking people just not to touch any any bit part of the building or take any photography if there were bad repair. No one knows what's the story behind the four walls. But anyway, a woman quipped to me. God has said, when we look at we have no homeless crisis, when, when Liam Lynch and his boys and the IRA were, were fighting the Free Island, I said, we hadn't the homeless crisis because there were 8 and 10 and 12 people in every house. And if those men and women came up, coming among the men, they were allowed in and sat at the table and the other people did without. So we had the spirit of giving as we did all over the world. Mm-hmm. Missionaries from Ireland, lay and, 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 and priestly and clergy and, and nuns. But now today, nowadays it's, I'm all right, Jack. I'd pull up the ladder if I'm up. But I'm just asking for common sense of a here to relax the situation not be dragging these people through the courts yeah. this, this man has spent 40,000 now he's he's hasn't been in court once he's, he's did the, big this is the man you're telling me about who bought right. the acre of land put the mobile home on it his building or yeah. his little log cabin around it and now they're pulled them through his life as well You'd wonder, like, why? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Well, I, I, he was in with me in my office. I saw all the enforcement letters and the court cases. And I, and I appealed to him then last week to, to the, while he still has a couple of days to appeal to Board Bernardo. Now, that costs some money, too, because he's got an agent to do that because it has to be a proper technical appeal. And that's only buying time. Six to twelve months. After that, the council are going to come back. And look, I have I have countless cases, probably twenty. I'm sure every other public rep has, has, has cases as well. So I'm talking about it. straight away. We could wipe a thousand to two thousand off the housing list. It won't. At one end of it. So, and, and then we have all the Delhi properties and towns and villages. We yeah. want to talk about that now, but I'm just saying we have. But that's unable to do, unable to do that. And where people are able to help themselves here, or have a friend like you, or a neighbour, or a good person to help them out, let that happen. It's, it's yeah. as I said, pull somebody up out of the mire, give them a chance in life. You never know where they'll end up. You, God, well, you see, here's the thing, Matty. I always say that. Help those people around you because you'll never know when you might want their help. Matty, thank you. Matty McGrath, a Tipperary Independent uh, TD. The idea that these little mobile homes that are in backyards or log cabins that have been set up here, there and everywhere, and they are around, if you look for them, you'll see them, that you just exempt them for the next few years just so we can help to solve housing crisis. Something else that comes to mind, I read a statistic in the paper, well the wife actually showed it to me, she said, did you see that? She said, 280,000 for a modular house. Now I'm sorry, but I don't know what they're building them out of. Is it marble and gold? Because you can go on any number of websites and you can buy a one or two or three bedroomed modular house for a whole pile less than that. 
a whole pile less than that. Someone is going to coin it if there's that kind of money involved. Katie is pointing out a county council meeting, this Katie O'Keefe from the newsroom, at the county council meeting, Councillor William O'Leary said there's been an increase in planning applications for log cabins and modular houses on people's own land. But he said the vast majority have been refused. In response to his motion, Cork County Council said it has granted permission in the past for such structures and they remain open for consideration. That's a very county council type answer, is it not? 0818969696. A cry from the heart for a drink a person can't get anymore. That and plenty more after the news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. In the very early days of the Opinion Line, we used to do a thing called a Kugel search. I know, corny as what? But somebody would message us looking for something or trying to find something or somebody or a product or, or you, you name it. And generally, our listeners could come up with something. This, I haven't seen in a while. I drank it one time. It wasn't unpleasant. I wouldn't have been a person who'd be stocking my fridge with it, but it wasn't unpleasant. I speak of a thing called Smithic's Blonde. I know. They don't make it anymore. Um, but could someone play Tracy uh, has issued an appeal from the heart to us this morning. Could any of your listeners tell us, is there an off-license or a pub anywhere in Cork City or County that has bottles of Smithick's Blonde? Uh, the drink has been discontinued and I've been looking everywhere to try to find some with no success. I'd really appreciate if you would put it out there. I haven't seen it in a long time I drank it a long time ago Tracy someone will know if anybody will know somebody will know and they'll tell Smithix Blonde not the regular Smithix the red stuff no Smithix Blonde does anybody know for Tracy could we make her day 0818 96 96 96 and speaking of the price yeah we're uh, with, was it Sheena earlier in Kinsale bemoaning why people aren't going out and there's no nightlife and there's nothing happening and the pubs are empty early as I was saying to her good morning Saturday night in the pub in Carrigaline two shots of Sambuca 12 quid a bottle in the off licence is about 28 14 shots in a bottle selling that at the same price 84 quid. Now in all fairness PJ that's greed and gluttony. A good summer this year and the pubs are going to lose out big time. Thank you 0818969696 Now I think I might take myself along to the theatre tonight for two things. One for the production but two for the Q&A after it. I heard uh, Ross talking about this this morning and I immediately pricked up my ears when I heard the name Willa White mentioned because he's in this show. The show is called The Examination and it's a look at the prison system and mental health and human rights within it. 
Now you'd wonder how something like that could possibly be funny or it could be cutting-edge humour. It's been done by the Broken Talkers Theatre Company, which means it will be all of those things. Willa White joins me. Uh, your own story, Willa, you, and it'll be James from the two Norries will be chatting to you afterwards. You have your own story, Willa. You you did time yourself before embarking on a comedy career. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Good. I did. I did do uh, I did do time, and um, yes, I, I've suffered with mental health issues in the past, and I've been in three psychiatric hospitals. Um, I suppose you could say that was a psyche hat trick, um, if you <laughs> want to put it that way, for, for a very human PJ. Um, yeah, and, and come here, most of the every time I was in prison was to do with addiction issues. I've been on drugs, well, I was on drugs for a long, long time from a very early age and progressed uh, right up the drug charts, I suppose. And my drug of choice at the end of my use and would have been crack cocaine and heroin. And Heavy duty. Yeah, very, very heavy duty. Suffered with a lot of childhood trauma and the drugs were just a great blanket and a great um, way out from that stuff that I suffered with from being a kid. So at the end of my using, um, I was living in London, homeless on the streets. I was living in a car in London uh, and it, it was horrific. I never, you know, would have imagined that, you know, picking up Drugs all them years ago would have led me to that place. I mean, I had different dreams as a child, and it certainly wasn't to be homeless on the streets of London or homeless on the streets of Dublin. What were, or, you, what were your dreams, fella? You know what? I probably would have liked to pursue it to be probably a singer or something to do with the stage, what I'm act- actually doing now, you know, because I was a very talented kind of young lad growing up. I, I wouldn't have been a bad singer, and, you know, I, 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 I was always very good at entertaining people. Mm. Um, so that that probably would have been what I was. I wasn't great in school, and I mean, the the stuff that was going on at home. I came from a, a very dysfunctional family, and a father who was very violent um, to to my mother, who was dealing with his own childhood traumas when I delved in and ventured into his life. Mm. You know, so I really, really understand. And when the man passed away in 2016, um, I understood and I accepted and I learned to love this man that I'd hated for most of my uh, for most of my young life, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he just done the best with the tools that he was given. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so I, I got extradited home from London in 1997 and I got a prison sentence. And by the grace of God, I found a 12-step program in prison and I got out of prison. And a day at a time, I, I celebrated 22 years uh, drug-free and sober. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I was just going to ask you that. How long are you clean? 22 years. Yeah, yeah. A, lo- a long, long time. And I wouldn't swap, you know, internally what I have, you know, for, for, for any amount of drugs or for any amount of, you know... Uh, and, Anything that that kind of substance that does that, you know, to anybody. And come here, the place is very much alive with substance abuse, you know, from Cork to Donegal, and it's not just the cities anymore. The towns are affected. Um, people don't realise the severity of what they're getting into. And, and come here, more so what they're funding. Anybody that buys a bag of cocaine on the weekend, they don't care whether you're from a working class estate or whether you're from somewhere really, really nice. You're funding crime. You're funding people being shot. You're funding uh, a lot of hate and a lot of hurt. 
in, in this island that we live in. People don't think about that. No, and if we be 100% honest, I didn't need it when I took it. But it's just the kind that make people aware. And I mean, the weird thing with kids as well, it's it, it, the, the paranoia, the, the, you know, the psychosis, all the stuff that's going on is unreal. Mm. So, Kind of brings me on to the play. I, yeah. What, what, I was, before before we go to that, because I know it's about life in prison and you'd come at it from a place of particular knowledge. Like, what's it like? I mean, look, we, I've spoken to both James and Timmy about their time in, in, in prison yeah. and whatever. But what, I mean, the joy is the joy, like. And yeah, there, ain't much, the joy, yeah. there ain't much joy yeah. in the joy. No, no, there, no, there, there, there certainly isn't. Uh, it's, it's a horrible place. Um, as are as are all prisons. I actually done a talk down in Cork Prison there a few weeks ago. Believe it or not, for Mental Health Week as well. And look, listen, they, they, they serve a purpose. You know, you might hear people saying, "Oh, they're a holiday camp," and come here. I don't know any holiday camp where you only get to see the people that you love for half an hour a week, like you know. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 crime is, you know, the punishment is is that you're taken away from society and you're taken away from the people that you love. And regardless of what you have in your cell, whether it's a television or whatever, you're still locked up and and that is the that is the punishment in itself, like yeah. regardless of what you're, you're, you're taking away, I know. will it to be fair? You're taken away because you hurt somebody. You deserve to be taken yes, away for a exactly. while. Exactly, come here. Exactly, look at and come here. I know that there's some people in society that would say, you know, have them breaking rocks or whatever, and that's come here. That's understandable because there's a lot of people that I know that have been affected and. Boy, crime that no people that are victims of crime and 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 that's 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 what comes with it, like you know, mm. and and it's funny because the guy that I'm in the play with, who's one of the uh, one of Broken Talkers, is a guy called Gary Keegan. Yeah. So the play focuses on him. He was a victim of crime in London about twenty years ago. He was mugged, a very vicious assault, and so he's a victim of crime, uh, an ex-victim of crime, and I'm an ex-criminal. So I'm basically telling my story. He's telling his story. We've got extracts from prisoners that are doing life in Mountjoy Prison at the minute. And we've got a bit of a history on criminology. And look, we're not looking to change anybody's mind or anything like that. Or, you know, we're just looking for people to come along and have a look and see that when you drive by Cork Prison or you drive by an institution that houses people that are, you know, locked up for crime or whatever, that maybe you just have a second thought. And I mean, the reality is, PJ, we are all only one act away from ending up in prison. That is the that is the truth. I mean, if you go out on the weekend and somebody gives you a smack and you smack him back and he falls and bangs his head off the pavement and dies, you're going to jail. Do you, do you understand what I'm I saying? Do. And people I don't do. people don't think of it like that. They really, really don't. Like you know, in a moment, the madness could cause you a lifetime of misery. Like you know, I had an opportunity last year, Willa, to visit Cork Prison myself. They they do this stand up or this pop up restaurant project right. okay. up there, and some of the lads actually get jobs in catering then or in restaurants when they come out of prison. Very good. But one question, and maybe I could put this to you, one question that I asked the prison authorities at the time was, how must it feel for a victim of a violent crime in particular to watch people come out of prison with a new career? Because no one gave them back what that person took took from them. As an ex-prisoner, can I ask yes. you that? Oh, yeah. I know, I know he would answer that. I would say if the shoe was on the other foot and I was the victim of crime, 
I would be very hurt, I would be very upset, and I would probably be disgusted. I, I think that the Irish prison system should devise a programme whereas there is mediation before a prisoner that has victimised someone with an assault or some type of GBH to probably mediate and sit down and talk to each other. And maybe for the prisoner, you know, to, to look at... Not, 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 I'm not saying that victims of crime need to sit down and forgive anybody, but I think sometimes it, it, the mediation does a lot of healing in it. Yeah. I yeah. really, really do. And look, at come here. I was very fortunate in my, and I say very, very loosely, criminal career, that I didn't have anything to add to my resume, that I didn't, you know, physically or, you know, hurt anybody or anything like that. My crimes were more so a lot petty until, obviously, I got, you know, I had a drugs charge with possession with intent yeah. to supply. But come here, listen, I was just an addict feeding a habit. You know, I wasn't driving around in a BMW. I hadn't got a nice car or anything like that. If, if anything, I'd be lucky to have a clean pair of trainers on my feet and a nice yeah. tracksuit. That that would be as as, as far as I that got. Was I was very way life. down. That was luxury in the life that you were living. Yeah, I mean, I was way down. But I think definitely what you're saying is no. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy. Um, I I definitely wouldn't. But I think. You know, people need to, to understand as well is that people with addiction issues in particular, you know, and that they they make mistakes, they do things mm-hmm. for drugs mm-hmm. that they never would normally mm-hmm. do. And I, I don't think there's enough... I don't think there's enough rehabilitation and I don't think there's enough treatment in prisons to help people who want to be helped. That That's my opinion. Yeah. I've, I've, I've spoken at, at length to both, both James and, and Timmy about, about their own time and I'm, I'm fascinated and you, you, I haven't seen it but I must root out the Tommy Tiernan interview that you did uh, during the, the latest season because a lot of people are texting in saying they, they, they watched you. How did you get into comedy, lastly, Willie, briefly? Believe, believe it or not, I got into comedy by one year, uh, Des Bishop. I, I was on the Des Bishop uh, Joy in the Hood programme that he's oh, done down in Nocturne. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so we, we were the pilot project. We were Ballymun. So that, that's where I kind of forced popped me head up. And then, believe it or not, the first paid gig I ever got was down in the Half Moon down in Cork. Get off. Um, honest to God, yeah. So I used to be down there and I used to be in, obviously I used to be in City Limits with Brian, which is an amazing uh, comedy club as well. And I've gigged all around Cork and I've been in Kinsale. I actually lived in Cork for about 10 months a few years ago. And, and I'm not just saying... Well, that our, Cork... our accent didn't rub off on you, lad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it actually didn't like. Um, but, uh, now, do you know what? Come here, I, and I'm not just saying it. The Cork people. I moved to Cork at a time that I was having a lot of difficulties in my life. My father was passing away, and I personal kind of stuff going on. And I have to be honest with you, the Cork people are very, very good for me, and I will be forever grateful for the help that I received off the people of Cork. Well, I, th- um, I think I'm going to the theatre tonight because I want to see this show and I also want to see uh, the Q&A with yourself and James afterwards. Yeah, and just sorry to cut across your page, just to say that we we have won a lot of awards. We have took this play to Paris. We have took this play to Norway. We took it to Belgium. We've took it to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We won the Best Irish, uh, best Production Irish Times Award 2000. 
2019. We won the best soundscape Irish Times 2019. We won best production at the Dublin Fringe Festival, and we won best production. Uh, I won best act actually at the Dublin Fringe Festival. There were 700 people as well, so it hasn't got them awards for nothing. I would strongly urge the people of Cork, come here. The tickets are selling well. It, it's it's gone really well, but there is tickets left. The show was only an hour and ten minutes long, mm. and I would strongly advise people to come and see this. The graphics, the sound, yeah. and the performance oh, will I'll, literally just take it off your feet. I've seen some of Broken Talkers stuff before, and it really it hits you in the feels. Everything that they do, Willa, I'll hopefully see you yourself and James. Please, and, after and, if you, the and, show and listen, yeah, and I'll be straight out after the Q and A, and and PJ, if you're there, please make yourself known and say hello. I will. I'll, Oh, I'll don't worry, James, James will point me out to you. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Come here, listen, thank you so much for having me on the Delighted. program. And I really appreciate it. Delighted, fellow. We'll talk, we'll talk again. Willa White, uh, who stars in The Examination, uh, presented tonight at the Everyman by Broken Talkers Theatre. Multi-award winning show. Only an hour and a bit. No interval. They say over 16s, adult nature, etc., etc., etc. And afterwards, a Q&A with James from the two Norries. That'll be fun in itself, I would imagine. There are tickets at everymancork.com. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Corks 96 FM is giving away free money. Free money. Somebody say, hey, we want some money. And all you have to do is snap the app. Download. Step one. Download the Corks 96 FM app to your phone. Step two. Snap a screenshot. Step three. What's up in to win? What's up in to win? Stay listening from 6 a.m. weekdays for your chance to play. Snap the app. Your ticket to free money. The winning begins next Monday. Yes! Oh my God. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Just come back to Sarah earlier on. Uh, before I go to, to Martin, I won't keep you long there, Martin, but Sarah was on to me about something that happened with her phone recently. She has been getting calls from people who say, I have a missed call from you. She has no idea who these people are and she never rang them. And this has happened eight or nine times now. And she's wondering why it's going on. I've had this happen twice, but thought nothing of it. Only the last couple of weeks, someone rang me saying I rang them. I couldn't have. I was in work all morning and I knew I hadn't been on the phone. He said he was from an alarm company. That's strange, says another Sarah. My partner was a patient in a Cork hospital in 2020. Part of his file went missing. We later found it was posted out to a patient. He also got a letter from the HSE that his information was accessed during the cyber attack. Both his phone and mine have had constant calls and messages since the first incident. That's from Noel. I've been getting those phone calls for about 18 months. At one stage, I got 10 in a day. They were all genuine people. Air told me my number was probably cloned and I'd previously got one of those letters from the HSE about my data. I've been getting calls from random numbers. When I call the number back, the person hasn't phoned me at all. They were totally unaware of what I'm talking about. I've yet to answer one of them, as I keep missing them, but it's very 
very strange. And that's from Pam. So there seems to be a lot of it about. Now, Joe, Joe Biden landed in Ireland uh, yesterday. He's up the north today and he'll be travelling around the country uh, tomorrow and the day after. And he'll be in Dublin and he is addressing the Iraqis. And security will be very tight which means he could possibly interrupt a weekly performance by Martin Leahy, who's been performing his song uh, outside the Doyle now for almost a year. And Martin, the chances of you getting anywhere near the Doyle tomorrow, I wouldn't be optimistic. Good morning. Hey, TJ, how's it going? Very um, good. Yeah, um, I think you're right. I feel the same, but I am going to go up. Um, it's a shame that's why I have to break uh, the run. But, uh, but I will go up anyway and I'll get as close as I can without getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that sounds like a joke, but that's the problem. Oh, yeah. There's only so far you can go. There is, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that, like, there, there, maybe if there's barriers at the end of Molesworth Street, which is, like, the street that kind of runs up to the dog, yeah. that if I could do it there, you know, you know, I'm kind of, I'm hoping for something like that, but... Maybe that's a bit optimistic because I, I don't know if I'll be able to get that close. But, do you, do you but set I'll, up a little bit of gear or what do you do? No, just my acoustic guitar and I have a sign and I, I just um, I just play it acoustically always. Like so, okay. I'll do that. Okay, so the, yeah, there's Mulder Street that leads up, and then there's isn't it Kildare Street? The two sides of that, one end down to Stevens Green, the other down towards is it Dawson Street? That'll be blocked up, like. That's it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's my hope, anyway. To to try and um, we, we're, we're going to try and get to, uh, there's two two people coming up with me tomorrow, um, Margaret O'Regan and Frank O'Connor from Derelict Ireland. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we're we're just hoping to get that close, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a shame, and uh, it's a bit of um, I, I I think that the whole kind of thing about him about the, them kind of recalling the doll for it is a small bit of a kick in the guts to, you know, like, um, it, they feel that this is kind of important enough to recall the doll, but yeah. the housing emergency isn't, you know, so. Yeah. How many weeks are you doing it now, Martin? And um, this will be week 49 tomorrow now. Okay. Well, at least you'll get there and try to perform, uh, you know, not making light of it. I wish you well getting oh, a chance to do it. If you yeah. see anybody talking into his sleeve, I would put away my guitar. <laughs> I'm thinking the very same, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's Absolutely. Good. But good luck, good luck with it. I mean, if by some strange miracle you got to do it, and and Joe heard you, yeah, what would you, what would you say to him? Well, I probably talk about the housing emergency that we're into, or that we're in the middle of, and the and the crisis, yeah. and draw, draw his attention to that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. talked to you a few weeks ago about your own situation. Any joy there? Yeah, no, not at the moment, but uh, yeah, so it's it's um, it's ongoing. In the when, same, when is your date? Um, I haven't got a date yet. Um, there's some technicality with the issuing issuing of the notice, but uh, I'm not uh, not going to be knocking at the door uh, asking for the notice. So. Oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and as um, soon as you get it, from what we're told, as soon as you get it, get it checked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, could I say one more thing, PJ? Of course, um, you can. I, yeah, I um, my song. It, that I wrote, everyone should have a home. There's there's two musicians, two local musicians, um, Anya O'Gorman and Victoria Keating, that they, they've um, kind of launched a, a chorus challenge. So it's for 
people to do the chorus of the song and there's been loads of people doing it on Facebook and Twitter and all that so I just wanted to put it out there people either mm. um, sing it or speak it but there has been loads of really nice versions and there was a rap version yesterday and uh, yeah now. we might we might find one or two of them Excellent. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe not today, but you're you're due, you're due to be there tomorrow. We might be able to find one or two of them. Brilliant. They're all on my Twitter and Facebook page and all that. So yeah, okay. that'd be excellent. That, that should be that should be fun. Yeah. Good luck with it. As I said, if you see anybody talking into their sleeve, put, yeah. away, put away the guitar. <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck, Martin, and thanks. Thanks, PJ. Take yeah. care. Good luck. Appreciate see you. Bye. Bye. Oh eight one eight ninety six. 9696. Actually, speaking of people talking into their arms, twas our own Moraid put me onto this a couple of weeks ago. And myself and the Queen Bee started watching it on Netflix. There's only 10 episodes. I, I hear that there is a second series already commissioned by Netflix. It's called The Night Agent. It is fantastic. We're about four episodes in. And it's brilliant. It's really, really good, but it's all sort of fellas walking around talking down the subject. It's very good, though. The Night Agent. 0818 96 96 96. Poor old Emma's email seems to have started the ball rolling on all these parents who are driven scatty by, by their children. I'll read it again in case you missed it earlier on. PJ, I am demented. The Easter holidays are too bloody long. The weather is shocking. The kids are bored. And parents are at their wits end trying to entertain smallies. We really need to look at the length of the Easter holidays. Two weeks is way too long for working parents. This needs to stop. With two months off in the summer, two weeks at Christmas, a week in February... You're forgetting the one at the end of October, by the way, Emma. I believe the Easter holidays should be slashed to one week instead of two. I know I'm not alone in this because all the mums in my WhatsApp groups are saying the same. What do your listeners think? Do you think the Easter holidays are too long? I was making the point earlier on. The Easter holidays now are only two and a half days longer than they used to be. Anything that they can... Any suggestions for what you can do with them indoors? Uh, that they don't go completely mad uh, and don't drive you completely mad and you see the other thing too is they're running around <laughs> they're they're high on sugar from all the chocolates and they're bouncing off the four walls oh god I can kind of feel your pain I can good luck though trying to shorten the Easter holidays good luck with that it, it ain't going to happen because you see the teachers have to have oh, controversial anti-teacher point coming up here. The teachers have to have their week off before they all go to their union conferences at Easter. But what do you think? And any ideas for Emma and her children? What she might do to stop them and her going mad? Given that the shortening of the Easter holidays is probably off the off the agenda. And as I said, cable ties and duct tape. Not allowed. 0818969696. What could you do with children stuck indoors in this weather? And here's the bit that's really going to drive you mad. Is that next week, and I'm watching it now, Alan at Carla Weather has tweeted a couple of pictures this morning and all of that. And then uh, the Apple, Apple Weather bought up Dark Sky. My 
favourite old dark sky app is no more. But Apple Weather bought it up and they put the mechanics of it into the Apple uh, Weather app. It's a lot more clunky than it used to be, but it's showing me very nice weather starting on Sunday into next week. Spring is about to spring upon us. <laughs> but the kids will be gone back. The kids will be all gone back. Diane. Oh, God, Diane, Diane, Diane. Imagine having children and then complaining about having to take care of them for a couple of weeks. Okay. Dennis, tell that woman, use the time she spends on her WhatsApp groups, texting each other, shite about what cake they had with their coffee. Put it away. Take your children for a walk or play some board games. Thanks, Dennis. She's going to love that. My lot love jigsaws. We're stuck into a 500-piece superhero one. It'll keep us going for a few days, says Katie. Bernie says, it seems now to me as if they spend as much time off school as in school. As about what to do, housework. Get them dusters and sweeping brushes and buckets and mops and tell them get in there now and do a bit of housework. They'll thank you for the skills in years to come. Yeah, I can just... Bernie, it's the most wonderful idea, but I can just see it. I can just remember when I was 9 or 10 or 11, if my mother had handed me a sweeping brush when I said I was bored, I don't think we'd be talking since. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You could teach them to arm wrestle. What, PJ? Yes, you could. You could teach them to arm wrestle or get them arm wrestling each other. Because did you know there's now an arm wrestling club and an arm wrestling team in Cork? Yes, there is. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, this, the storm that didn't have a name now has a name. Yeah, I was confused. I thought I'd missed a memo because I thought this storm that went through this morning would have been called Storm Antney because that's what the name was coming up. I read it in Cork Bio and one or two more places that we called Antney. No, it didn't have a name because neither the Met Office in Britain or Met Aaron actually named it Antney. So it became the storm with no name until this morning when the French <laughs> felt it was important enough to give it a name. So they've called it Storm Noah. So what's went through this morning, and according to Carlo Weather, will come through again, because we're kind of in the eye on it now. Um, Carlo Allen has just tweeted, Storm Noah is now moving through. Wind and rain in the west, cold with low wind chill temperatures. If you've calm sunny spells, you're in the eye of it, and it could change pretty quickly, so enjoy it while you can. We're not... Oh, there's another one. Yes, enjoy it while you can because there could be another blast of it coming in the afternoon and it certainly doesn't look too healthy over by the airport in terms of the the shape of the sky but it's now Storm Noah we thought to be Storm Antony but no it's Storm Noah 0818 96 96 96 now I was surprised when I heard about this because we all did arm wrestling in school and we did it in the pub and we did it with our friends but we never realised it was that other than acting the Egypt. Never certainly realised it was a fully-fledged 
international sport. And now there is a club and a team uh, on the north side of the city and it's headed up by a man called Ronnie Mostyn, who's a fair old hand at the arm wrestling himself. And Ronnie, sort of, you began working on this really, I think, during lockdown, even though you've been wrestling, your arm wrestling yourself for years. But let's start with that, Ronnie. I didn't actually know that it was a proper, fully-fledged, international competitive sport. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, so a lot of people think that as well. They don't know that it's a real sport. When they, when they see us, they think that it's like just a pub thing that people do for messing or whatever. You know? No, it did begin like that. It would would have been something like that at the very beginning. You know, like even as a young fella, my dad would have shown us how to do a little bit. And I would have been in school doing a little bit here and there. I never too too serious. Yeah. But it was in 2013 when I was um, working with another fella. And we, we started, I was, I was sent to him. Oh, yeah, any good arm wrestling? And he was like, yeah. And so we both were giving it a shot. And we were just curious. Imagine if we went against the other people that are not doing this. How would we figure out? And then we started looking up on YouTube. And there was like uh, world championships in the whole And we're like, Jesus, we never even knew this was the case. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, like you know, did it in school, did it in the pub after one pint too many kind of thing. <laughs> but exactly. never, never thought it was an actual sport. But is it Eastern Europe? Eastern Europe, it's very big, is it? Yeah, like in Moldova and uh, Russia and you know, all the eastern countries, they're they're like, they're it's in their school system. Like we do hurling football over here, they do arm wrestling over there. Crikey! Where did the you get the idea then to to set up a team? What I was is um, back in 2013, I wasn't taking it too serious at all. It was just like a bit of fun, and I I do it maybe if I see someone, uh, a friend or. Uh, if I was at work, I said to someone, "Oh, I'm doing an arm wrestle and little things like that, you know." Yeah. And and like about three years ago, with the fellow I was working with uh, in 2013, he was actually the stronger guy at the time. And you know, uh, when he won, we before he left that job, he he beat me. So it kind of stuck with me as like, "Ah, oh, I have to get better at this for the next time I bump into him." Do you know? Yeah. So uh, I bumped into him about two years later after that, and we bought arm wrestle again, and and it was more of a draw. So I kind of got the bug then, the arm wrestling bug. Started taking it really serious. So I started looking up videos on how to arm wrestle properly, how to uh, train for it, how to lift weights. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been really serious for me the last three years. Explain to me what I'm looking at in this video that was on the examiner. Two lads yeah. on, a, on a very sophisticated-looking table. Yeah, the, yeah, the table. See, we used, to, we used to train when we started at the very start. I didn't have a table. I have that table now about two years only, right? We used to, do you know the, the garage up in Nakanheeny in Holly Hill? Yeah. There's like a little basketball court there, right? And there's like a block, a big block of uh, granite, right? Kind of looking thing. We didn't have a table at the time, so we used to train on that. Right. We used to come down uh, once or twice a week to that and train on it. So uh, after, after about two years, then I, I decided I have to just put the money into it. Now, they, they cost about 400 euro, but they can go all the way up to like over 1,000. Right. So 400 wasn't bad, actually, to be honest with you. Now, why are you outdoors? Like, you don't look like you'd need too much space to do this indoors, but you can't get anywhere indoors. See, the, the, the biggest problem for me at, uh, for, for a long while was actually getting people to actually uh, take it serious. And, like, you know, it would be more of a kind of uh, an environment where people would, like, drink and stuff, and I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted a proper, you know, something like... You can't control other people, but like but getting people into it in the first place was the hardest part. So I was just like trying to get a team together, and now we can have a good solid team now. And now it's the stage now to try to get somewhere inside a gym or a hall or something like that, so that uh, we can be a proper team. You know, instead of just being on the streets, like this the whole be on the streets thing is it, people don't take it serious. Do you get yeah. me? 
they just think it's a bit of a joke. Is there a competitive side to the sport in, in Cork, in Ireland? Are there other teams? Well, not in Cork. Uh, we, we do. Well, there's another team in Mitchelton as well, to be honest, uh, but they're only new as well. They're even newer than us. Right. Uh, but it is, there's teams in Dublin, uh, Portadown in, in the north. There's a team in Kilkenny. Um, there's a team in Kerry. So there, there is teams. And now they're more advanced than us because they're, they're further on in their journey than us and they have loads of pros on their team. They're very good. There's the makings of a national championship there though, Ronnie. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there definitely is. There's actually been a couple of tournaments in Ireland. Okay. Well. So I'm at the in two of them myself even. Yeah. I remember watching a, a Sylvester Stallone movie actually. Yeah. Was it called Over <laughs> the Top or something? Yeah, yeah. I have it at home. A DVD. I must Trent, I must look at that. I'd say my my son loves Sylvester Sloan. I must dig that one out and we we watch it some weekend. But Ronnie, you're looking for a place. Are you any closer to getting somewhere? I, I'm actually in I'm actually in contact with a like at the moment. I there was one girl I knew from years ago. And she was talking. Her mum has a, has a, her mum is running a hall. So she gave me the the the, the low down basically there on that. I, another fella texted me this morning. Uh, this the one this morning. I know songs more like something that we. Could, I, I, I want him to give me the details, whatever it is. Like we're, we have no fear of. Uh, we have no problem putting money towards something if we have to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're not asking for anything for nothing. Do you know? No. When like if someone wants to help us out, there's no situation. We're, we're okay. We're, like I'm not saying that if someone wants to help us out, we don't want it. But like we have no fear of doing it ourselves either. Do you know if we have to? Do you know? So yeah, we have. A, we, I see. I don't know how close we are to that even. Like. He's only have to get on to me today and know about it, so I don't know how far along I am on that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, if people want to see more of what's going on here, there's a, a YouTube channel, Street Level Arm Wrestling, and you're on Facebook yourself. Okay. I can imagine there might be some young fellas might want to get involved, Ronnie. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. See, as long as people are safe, uh, and we, we did it when they go up to the table, and we keep a good eye on them, and don't let them just run right, they're fine. No, no. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Afterwards, all the people that I've talked to in the program over the years, you know, boxers, kickboxers, wrestlers. I'm thinking, gee, we 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 could produce a champion out of Cork yet. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's definitely the future. Definitely the future. I do see it. Like it's the younger generation coming up. Like I, I I'm going to try to go as far as I can with it. But the reality is that the future is where it is. Do you know, if we if we can get arm wrestling popular, I think do you know what it's like. Remember a couple of years ago, everyone kind of got into the MMA and it started going everywhere. Mm. I think that's where arm wrestling is kind of now. It's kind of just about there, just about to kick off. Is there an upcoming Irish star, for example? Uh, to be honest, no. We have a couple of people. I see most of the the the, the, the stars that we have would be in other teams as well. So there is there is there is people that would be in the country that are, that are actually. Uh, Irish and they're really good. Now we have, a, do you know what it is? We have a lot of Eastern European people as well in all these teams as well, and they're brilliant. As in you could, do you know? What I was it? just thinking that things they, yeah. it comes from that part of the world. Ronnie, I wish you well in finding the place. If anyone wants to look at the YouTube, it's Street Level Arm Wrestling, and Mustin Ronnie on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone wants to know anything, uh, drop me a comment or drop me a, an email or a text or anything. You know. Good luck with it. it, it I, I'm going into the YouTube channel to, to look at more videos because I remember doing this Thank as a small fella in Chris Tree. <laughs> I wasn't very good then and I probably wouldn't be very good now. But best of luck with it, Ronnie. Thanks very much, TJ. I appreciate it. Cheers, Ronnie. Uh, an arm wrestling club uh, in Cork City. Did you ever think you'd know? That, did you ever think it was even a actual proper... Yeah, that, that particular movie that... Um, Stallone was in over the top. Kevin is reminding me I should have a 
I should have a look at that too. What can the kids do when they're bored during the holidays? They might start collect. Don't tell me they're still around. I remember Pokemon cards when I was old enough to collect Pokemon cards, or maybe slightly older than that. Um, I remember my daughter being mad into them at one stage and there was a kind of a Pokemon app on your phone where you could chase a Pokemon around and you'd see him sitting on a rock and you had to go and take a photograph of him. It was all very interactive. She nearly drove me mad with it one year on holidays. But they're still out there and the cards are still out there. Tony Gamble, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you today? Good. These things just refuse to go away. They keep reinventing themselves. Yeah, like they've been ongoing since 1996 in Japan and they kind of made their way over to America and Europe in like 1999, 2000. And I suppose they've been kind of bubbling under the water an awful lot. But as you say, when we had people around Kilsale and Cove and Cork City running around on their phones collecting Pokemon, it kind of got back into the... Yeah, the bubbling on the surface of the culture and it's just been an ongoing since it's just been an absolute phenomenon you know there's a huge selection of cards and you're bringing them to the marina market I am yeah we were there in February uh, of this year already and it was it was a fantastic three days so we're going to be there Friday Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 6 at the marina market so everyone knows the marina market fantastic venue um, and what we do is we're, we're official Pokemon sellers so like we have all the sealed products that you'd see in the big toy stores um, but what we do as well is we have these folders full of cards you know cheap more expensive whatever and the kids can just come in and the adults and come in and just pick that one card they've always wanted so you know so if you're looking for something to do over the weekend, um, this is certainly something if, if you've got a little Pokemon fan who's been dying to get a Pikachu or a Charizard card, Pikachu. this is the opportunity to finally get it just by picking it out. God, there's a Pikachu cushion somewhere up in the attic. <laughs> there's a Pikachu. Could be worth a bit of money. <laughs> I could well be. Yeah, they've, they've been around since forever and people who ki- picked them up as kids, they've kept the fascination into adulthood, haven't they? Absolutely. And we see that in two ways. Number one, I think your your show, by the way, this morning has been fantastic. You dealt with a lot of issues regarding, you know, you know, the effects of COVID on, on people. But like we're now coming out of a lockdown where a lot of people actually fell back in love with Pokemon. It was, you know, people couldn't go outside. They went in under their attics. They found the Pokemon cars and that nostalgia was very soothing for a lot of people. So we have a lot of adults that come in and they'll just grab a cup of coffee at the markets we're in. We're normally in Wickham Way every Saturday in Emmerich City. Um, and they get a cup of coffee, they'll pick out two or three cards that they like. And that's a start to a nice weekend so it's just gotten really uh, really really back but as well we have a lot of customers who would have been into Pokemon, but now they're kids who are seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. They're big into it. Now we're seeing this shared hobby, which is... is and I'll bet you the kids, when they come home talking about Pokemon and their parents say, ah, yeah, I remember that. Go away, you're too old for them. <laughs> yeah. And then you bring them down yeah, and they're yeah. looking, yeah, see, he was around. In my- yeah. yeah, so you're in the Marina Marcus when? So we're here on Friday, Saturday and Sunday with a lot of customers asking, could you kind of come down around the Easter weekend because we'll need something to do. You've been talking about it all day on the radio. You know, kids will come in. Um, they'll just, there's a bit of a queue. Obviously, we, would, we don't want to rush the, kid, the kids to come in and, uh, and and pick any old card. We want to make sure they get the right cards. But um, yeah, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday from 10 o'clock until 6 o'clock we'll be there. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to po- be a fantastic po- poke, treat. Poke bundles, poke mania you might call it. It's running wild. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Tony Gamble. Marina Market at the weekend. Bring the children down there and indulge your own childhood memories of Pokemon. Pikachu cushions in the attics. It's not a holiday, says Catra, unless there's a jigsaw on the table of at least a thousand 
pieces. Do people still, this is a stupid question, and I'm going to Rick asking it, do people still do jigsaws, I wonder? Come back to me, come back to me if you do. This was what? This was raking gravel. And Anne Ward goes into the draw for Friday. Chance to win our Gardena robotic lawnmower from our friends at Soundstore, Blackpool, Sarsfields Road and the Market Green Middleton. Another opportunity for you to win and qualify tomorrow. Yeah, my lot love jigsaws. I didn't know that people still did jigsaws. Then again, I didn't realise people still collected Pokemon cards either. It has been a bit of a learning experience for me today. Programme ed- edited by Imran O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way it did. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork!